Ula Monomies and Madame's une Michelles? Uh, Messieurs, I believe. Are we having a French special this week and you haven't told me? No. Oh. No. It's disappointing. Just uh, thought I'd do something, thought I'd try something new. It was good. And I'll tell you what, this is trying something new because normally I go straight into what this podcast is. I hate you when people don't introduce like who they just assume that people listen every week. Mm. You shouldn't do that. If, no. if there are people who've gone, I think I'll try this podcast out, I guarantee they've turned off. <laughs> do you want to start again then? <laughs> no, no, definitely not. No. Um, this is episode 12 of Right Act, the alternative music podcast. I'm Stephen Hill. He's Renfrey Deadman. Hello. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm okay, mate. I'm good. Sweet. All right, yeah. let's crack straight onto the musicism um, right. plug, which we right. do. We are part of musicism. Yep. As you probably know, if you have been listening from day zero or day oh, oh. <laughs> they call it in France, not well, French. That's day one, isn't it? Zero. What zero? I don't know what zero. No. Is. no. <laughs> oh. Are you just guessing? Yeah. I <laughs> know oh, everything in French just sounds like someone's shrugging to me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um. Yeah, so go to Musicism. They yeah, apologies do to any French listeners. Courses. They do courses on how to play le guitar. Uh, <laughs> I think it's what it's called. The guitar and how to become a better producer, a better, a better singer. Um, do lots of online tutorials for that sort of thing so you can improve your musical chops. With the help of the guys at Musicism, go to musicism.net, sign up for those courses for $9.99 a month. Or... Get 25% off if you put in the code RIOT in capital letters at the checkout when you do that. And it does work, that code now. So happy nice. fucking days. Um, on this week's show, we're going to be talking about new albums from Greta Van Fleet, from Tom Morello, from Shining Norway, and from Me Without You. We'll also be talking about the Smashing Pumpkins' massive Wembley extravaganza, amongst other live reviews that Rem- where Renfrey has been to. Yes. Yep. Yes. And you spoke to the legendary... Greg Pachato from the Black Queen, formerly of the Dillinger Escape Plan. I did indeed. Uh, so Renfrey in conversation with Greg. Mm. Oh, and Steve up. from the band as well. Oh, really? Steve yeah, as well? Yeah, it was Greg and Steve. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, awesome. I'm sorry, I forgot to mention that to you. Yeah. <laughs> Off air. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks for that. Um, if you want to help us out financially, go to Riot Act. No, sorry, patreon.com. Not, I nearly did it the other way, Renfrey. Oh, uh, patreon.com right. forward slash Riot Act podcast and um, suggest some more albums for the forthcoming Rioters review. We've actually got something really, really fucking cool that we're planning for next week, which isn't just for patrons, actually. It's for everybody because we're going to do like a special, aren't we? Yes, we are. We are. Can we, should we just say what it is? Oh. Nah, fuck it. Let's not. Let's save it. Yeah, let's save it. But we're going to start doing some extra stuff. That's all ramping up soon. Um, go find us on Facebook. Go at Riot Act underscore podcast on Twitter. That's where we are. Uh-huh. Um, you've been a busy bloody lad this week. I've been to you? a lot of fucking what, you've been up? You're all right. You look quite tired. Actually. I am quite tired, honest. to be honest. Sorry. slumped over. <laughs> I'm just looking at you with like my... my my chin resting on my both my hands um, you've got an expression on your face that says good grief <laughs> am i here with this cunt again <laughs> that, no that is not what i'm thinking at all i'm just very fucking tired okay. um well look let's you were talking about black queen and uh, i would like to review their show in nottingham i went up to nottingham yeah. to speak to them and uh stuck around for the show because why the fuck wouldn't you or as i was watching said you stick around <laughs> for the show uh, which is which was an improvised line as we discovered a couple of weeks yeah, ago, yeah, wasn't it? It yeah. Was, yeah. Amazing stuff. Mm. We should probably just do an Arnie offshoot of this podcast, shouldn't we? Oh mate, I, I would do an Arnold Schwarzenegger podcast. 
100%. That, that's a conversation for off mic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I went to see them at the Contemporary, which is like, you know, the, one of those venues where it's just like an art space. Yeah. Um, it was like that. But it was actually. Like sort of pra- have you ever been to a gig at the Proud Galleries in Canada? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But yeah, actually, yeah. similar to that. So just imagine right, okay. a large room, like a large, I want to say a large black box, but it was a large grey box, if I'm being mm. pedantic. Um, and, but it worked really well because they brought visuals with them for this tour and they had a massive, massive screen to put those visuals on. Mm. Uh, I know they were playing Bush Hall in London the next day and I was kind of like, I feel like I got the better deal because Bush Hall is not going to be able to fit that screen kind of thing. Right. Really cool, awesome visuals like um, people like trying to get out of netting and being like, sounds much better than the way I'm describing it. Uh, I did see it a week ago. Um but no, they were on great form. They were fucking mm. great. I love the visuals. I kind of wanted even more, if anything. They played it relatively safe by doing mainly faith, uh, Fever Daydream stuff. Right. Um, which ever so slightly disappointed me. But then having thought about it, uh, it more, the record had been out five days, I think, at the point that I saw them. Yeah. And it, as we discussed when we did the review... Mm. It's definitely, um, it takes longer to get into, I think, than the first one. Yeah, it's funny, actually. It's, it, I predicted it would be a grower, but it hasn't really grown on me that Has much. it not? No, I mean, I still like it, mm. but I just significantly, but like Fever Daydream, I, I, I quite liked when it came out. And then I grew to love it over mm. a longer mm. period. Um, it's still early days yet. Maybe I still will, but I, I kind of, I put Infinite Games on, I was like, oh yeah, good. Um but I, and I'm still at that point. I will say that um, the uh, Fever Daydream material did get a better response, but then I think that's to be expected, yeah. considering that the record had been out a few days. You yeah. Know? Um, but it was it was awesome. Like it was really really great. I love Greg as a showman. Um, the stuff that Josh and Steve are doing behind, like, you know, what's the song? The last song on Fever Daydream, Apocalypse Now, like, mm. just sounds so fucking huge live. And and Ice to, when Ice to Never, they played to Ice to Never, like, track four, or something yeah. like that in the set. And, like, it just went off. It was just absolutely fantastic. So, um, yeah, they were absolutely brilliant, as always. I imagine they'll be back at some point next year, I'm mm. guessing. Um, and, um, yeah, the only thing I can say, really, is I hope they do more stuff from infinite games really it was fucking great so, oh that's good yeah. it's good to know um so then what else have i seen this week i went to to uh sort of kind of an all day called enjoy segoy uh it's something that small pond are putting on the uh brighton based label who uh, yeah i, don't I know, think like, i wild, heard about this yeah. yeah wildcat strike and all that kind of uh-huh. thing it's a part one uh it's a two-parter so there's going to be a second part sometime in november um but I only stuck around for a few bands just because I was absolutely shattered mm. uh, due to none of your business. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and Right, Renfri sells crack on the side, everyone, so... <laughs> Well, thanks, for, thanks, for, thanks for telling people that um and uh you gotta make a living yeah. um and uh yes the, the water white of alternative rock <laughs> <laughs> but i wanted to mention it because i uh it was an opportunity for me to see wildcat strike which we talked about yeah yeah last his week. album's very good his album's just fantastic i absolutely love it and i have to say this is actually the second time i've seen wildcat strike and um if i'm totally honest the first time i saw them i wasn't quite feeling it and but having seen them a second time i think it's purely down to the venue and the way that the festival that i saw them at was set up because this time they were 
fucking outrageously brilliant. Good. Um, they were so good. And the dynamics, once again, you know, the dynamics on the record are huge. Mm. But the dynamics here live were just off the scale. Phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I just, I just, I just love them live. They, they, I, I can totally, I can see a lot more what you're talking about with them sounding quite Americana now, yeah. um, especially with those vocals. Um, but I just thought it sounded absolutely fantastic. And when they are, when they are loud and uh, abrasive, they are. They, they, there were parts when they sounded like Nirvana live. Do you know what I mean? Like oh, it wow. was really like feedbacky and stuff like that. And oh, wow. I didn't expect that. Sounded yeah. like it was on the teetering on the edge of just falling apart at any point mm. but in a wonderful wonderful way so i thought they were brilliant um i then stuck around for alarmist who are kind of like a three-piece bit like three trap tigers but a little bit more chilled out um yeah super 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 like incredible musicians and they they uh, like you know you've, you've got a guy playing guitar and keyboard at the same time and it's really intricate and really jazzy and blah 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 blah, blah. i often like a lot of that kind of music i have to say this left me a tiny little bit cold, if I'm totally honest, just really? because I feel like if you're going to have that sort of crazy freak out music, you need to have like, you know, the way Dillinger go absolutely insane. And then they give you a massive hook like black bubblegum or something yes, like that. Yes, I do. Um, I don't think alarmist really deal in hooks and that's fine if mm-hmm. that's what you want. But for me personally, I just need a little bit more than that. Right. Um, as musicians, phenomenal i would never take that away from them they're absolutely incredible and it was like jaw dropping in in some cases but Mm -hmm. purely on a technical level i think you'd have to be really really nerdy and technical about your music to enjoy them and i consider myself pretty nerdy and technical about music and i didn't so there you go um but then the last band i saw there were uh town portal are you familiar with town portal no i don't uh, no, I was going to say I don't think I am. I know whether or not, and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Town Portal are a phenomenal post-rock slash post-metal band from Copenhagen, um, and they uh, they played purely new material from their forthcoming album, um, which no one knew, and still kept the crowd enraptured for like forty minutes. They're just awesome. I think you'll really like Town Portal. Okay. I might give you um, their last record on a trade-off one one time but um yeah three piece they're just fucking great lots and lots of like so much going on on the bass like they're very bass heavy yeah um just a wonderful band and i'm super super excited about their new stuff it's a little bit difficult to go into detail about it because i wasn't familiar with any of the material because they were playing all new stuff but they sounded great as always and i'm excited about them coming back probably sometime next year so yeah all nor is really good that's good um and part two is coming up in november i can't remember who's playing off the top of my head but you can check it out it's well worth checking out do, do check it out do. <laughs> um the last thing i want to talk about before we go into smashing pumpkins <laughs> is uh, sleep token so you know quite you know bits and pieces. I know a little bit. Right? I know they've been massively, hugely hyped, but mm. I, you know, that's about it, really. They've been hyped beyond belief. They are basically a masked. Um, the core of the band is a quartet, but they actually had at one point they had almost nine musicians on stage. I think they were playing at St Pancras Old Church, mm. which is like a beautiful, I think, one hundred cap church. Right, it's tiny. Um, this is their 11th ever gig. Uh, it's the second time I've seen them. Right. Um, the first time I saw them was Supporting Perturbator. 
Um, yeah, I remember that as an odd, yeah, odd thing. And I have to say, I I really love Sleep Token. I love what they're doing. They basically the the two bands they remind me the most of are Cinematic Orchestra and Deftones, who are two very disparate bands. Yeah. What Sleep Token effectively do at the moment is they they have a bunch of songs. They have I don't know maybe ten songs, and like the first three minutes is all trip hoppy and cinematic orchestra and really beautiful. And then they go into this really heavy, genty, meshuggah-esque riff. It's kind of like the simplicity of Deftones, but with that meshuggah guitar tone that mm. um, Stephen Carpenter got obsessed with around Diamond Eyes. Yeah. Um, it works really well, in my opinion. I love it. Um, my one criticism of them is that's what every single one of their songs does. But... At the moment, they're a brand new band. They don't even have an album. I'm okay with it right now, provided they start doing something different. So this was a really interesting gig. I'm just going to spunk it now and say this is um, not only my gig of the week, but this is one of the best gigs I've been to all year. Really? It was wow, fucking... fucking amazing. Really? And I have gone from... Um, the first time I saw them, I was quite disappointed with them because they had a lot of stuff on tracks. They had so much on tracks. The... Cinematic orchestra trip hoppy bits that I'm talking about were almost entirely track. So it was kind of like watching karaoke for half the set and then the band come in and it, you know, it's exciting. But they've gone some way towards solving that problem by getting a keyboard player in. And she does a fair amount of what's going on. I would still like to see more, if I'm honest. And that is my sort of criticism. But criticism's out of the way. This was a really special fucking show. Um, for starters, walking through the venue, which is tiny, I could hear several different languages going on all around me. This show sold out in 30 seconds. Fucking hell. Is what I was told. Um, you know, maybe it was two minutes, but it sold out very quickly. Yeah. Right? Um, and it was obvious that people had flown in to see it. Like the people who love this band, like really fucking love them like really love them Mm. um and there was one point where um the microphone just gave out and uh the entire crowd it sounded like started singing the words for for them there's like it was almost like a choir you know they just sort of started up and it really was a beautiful moment. Like I had tears falling down my cheeks. It was just one of those really special shows where yeah. something absolutely incredible happens and, and you don't expect it to happen. And the entire gig was like that, really. It was just a really special um, gathering of people who absolutely adored it. This is a band. They are going to be... I mean, there's probably going to be lots of hate pieces on them and stuff like that because there's a lot of kind of visual stuff that they do which is just going to piss people off because it just does um but i think there could pretend i mean undoubtedly they are going to be big um i saw mm, i don't want to say too much but i saw major players in the music industry were there oh yeah and i was like okay something's probably going to happen with this. I really can't say any more than that, but you know, Mm. I think it's going to be pushed in such a way. And and actually it'd be really exciting if major players got involved because if these guys were given money, they could put on a stunning show. Right. Really, really stunning potentially uh, with what they've got. Um, 
And yeah, I'm really interested to know what people think about Sleep Token because I think they are an enormously divisive band. Mm. So please get in contact with us on Twitter or Facebook or whatever and let us know your thoughts on Sleep Token. But yeah, do. I have to say, after being quite sceptical the first time I saw them because I was just like far too much stuff on track. Yeah, I'm really won over. I still want there to be more live stuff to be honest and I want I want them if they can I want them to totally eradicate tracks um but yeah I think we could potentially be looking at something really fucking special we're definitely looking at something which is going to divide people but that's all all the best music is like that isn't it yeah so, of course yeah speaking of being divisive <laughs> last night we yeah. went to see the 30th anniversary celebrations of the smashing pumpkins Mm. Um, I mean, one of the most elaborate and spectacular shows I think I've ever seen. Quite what it was all about, I, I don't know, but it was a feast for the eyes, especially if you like looking at Billy Corgan's big bald head and funny looking face, which was pretty much everywhere from the second that the show started. Uh, before we get into the sort of specifics about it, uh, I want to shout out Merka for doing, I thought, a great job of opening. In oh, very, did you see her? Yeah, in very trying and difficult circumstances. Yes, yes, absolutely. Kind of, you know half six at Wembley Arena yeah. supporting a, you know, well, I was going to say an old, a, a, a grunge band then, but we'll talk about how the Smashing Pumpkins have nothing to do with grunge. I'm sure that will come up. Yeah. Um, she looked very, very comfortable on that stage. Yeah. yeah. And Her she voice sounded amazing, incredible. Yeah. Um, and it somehow worked. But I really yeah. didn't expect it to work in a in a w- with a crowd that is not hers and a crowd that is unlike, you know, the majority of people there I would have thought would have ne- never heard of her and no. never even heard anything like Merka. No. So I think shout out Merka for doing uh, an incredibly good job. It's the first um, time I've seen Blast Beats in Wembley Arena for a long time as well. I was mm. trying to think back, maybe Slipknot was the last time I saw Blast Beats in yeah. Wembley. It's got to be a while, hasn't it? So, you know, that was, that was cool. I, I, yeah, I thought she did a great job. Mm. Really, really great. Mm. A great job for what is effectively a thankless task. Um, utterly thankless task yeah going at that time with in front of those people yeah Yeah, like so fair play so yeah fucking really i thought it might turn nasty and the fact that she got a pretty decent smatter of applause by the end of it and people seemed quite respectful to the artistic most people were there were a couple of people around me and there was one person who made a comment which was something along the lines of um I think she's the reason they don't allow glass into the arena. But I gave, I gave that uh, guy a stern look and he shut up really quickly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Mm. But you should have gone, how do you mean it? What do you mean? And he would have gone, well, because of her, her voice. Um, well, cracks her voice go, well, being phenomenal, yeah. No, I wouldn't. don't think that's an insult really, mate. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. but yeah. Uh, so shout out America for that. I thought she did very well. Um, now... Smashing Pumpkins, Renfrey. Mm. Reflecting on it 24 hours later, or just under 24 hours later, mm. um, the warning signs were there from the word go. Were they? I think they were, yeah. I, I really got my hopes up for this. I, I got a bit weirded out when the opening song was just the curtain kind of opened and Billy Corgan stood <sighs> there on his own with a sort of silhouette in silhouette for a couple of minutes with just a guitar and came out to play Disarm which might be my mm. favourite Smashing Pumpkins song just, um, just a quick note I've taken my glasses off and regular listeners know what I know this is the point where I get really angry so <laughs> yeah go on carry so, on 
to open the show up completely alone with a load of visuals of him as a child behind him. Um, Self-indulgent wankery? Yeah, this kind of the first warning that this was going to be a kind of Billy Corgan spectacular solo show in his mind. And the fact that when that song ended, it didn't kind of suddenly burst out. And here comes the rest of the Smashing Pumpkins. It just sort of opened and he stood there and the rest of them, James Ihar and Jimmy Chamberlain and the other hired hands. Well, actually, just, just before that, he turned around to a photograph of himself as a child and seemed to salute it. I don't know if you spotted that. I didn't spot that. Oh, I did. And it made me weep for my memories of a band that I used to love. Right. (laughs) Um, (sighs) But yeah, it was all a kind of, when when they started, it was a bit of a shrug, wasn't it? It was like, oh, they're here as well. I thought the first seven songs were dreadful. And I was close to leaving because wow. it felt like I, th- I think I just think we should say I feel like I'm a much bigger Smashing Pumpkins fan than you are yeah I mean I was um, gonna say I, I actually think we should start with the good stuff okay and sorry then move I, on I really I was just going chronologically through the yeah. show well um, I, I think we'll be here a while <laughs> if, if you do that because it was let's start with the good stuff I mean firstly it was spectacular yeah 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 definitely. it was absolutely spectacular I mean yeah if you're a fan, that's a three-hour set, a yep. brilliant three-hour set of some yeah. of their, their yeah. greatest songs. So Lots of varied stuff as well, like loads yeah. of singles and stuff, but also some good B-sides, yeah. Drown. Um, cuts yeah, for sure. The, uh, the one they played on the Batman and Robin soundtrack, the beginning is the end is the end yeah, is the yeah. beginning, or however mm-hmm. it's pronounced and said. Um, I, which yep. is a song I've never seen them do live, which is fucking great. That's another B-side, effectively. Yeah, brilliant set. And I mean, you know... Some of it, I thought, I mean, Ava Adore, which is, was absolutely incredible. And that's a song that, and a a period of Smashing Pumpkins where, I mean, that's sort of where I kind of checked out on them a little bit because I have, I have not got a lot of kind of strong feelings for the Adore era stuff myself personally, but I thought Ava Adore was amazing. And it was one of the few times where the band looked like they were kind of in the moment and Billy Corgan actually looked slightly taken back about you know, the reaction that he was getting. Yeah. Um, a really beautiful version of Soma, a yep. really brutal, really brutal heavy version of the Everlasting Gaze, which I thought was fucking Everlasting great. Everlasting Gaze was fantastic. Yeah, that was really I excellent. I feel like, well, actually, I was going to say, I think Zero was the turning point for the show for me, but the Everlasting right. Game, uh, yeah, the like Everlasting straight Gaze after it. came yeah, those straight Those two back to back was, yeah. was, 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 was really brilliant. great. Great version of Mayonnaise. I think that might have been the <sighs> highlight for me of the entire show. One of their best thought songs. that was absolutely amazing. Porcelain and, with the Vast Oceans. Yeah, that was great as well. Great like, you know, like that, yeah. And um, we should that mention- really felt like, oh, we're going into encore territory at that point, I thought, when they got there and they <laughs> wait for another hour. We were about halfway through the show at that point. Um, they brought um, Amelie Brune from Merker out for a beautiful version of Landslide as well. I mean, I say beautiful version. I, there was not much need for... Uh, uh, there was a lot the of... Covers. Acoust- yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, that was... Uh, you know. Well, we'll get on to the covers, won't we? Yeah, of course. Um, uh, and I think as well, you know, that this three hours is value for money in a Fuck time yeah. where bands don't often give you value for money. So you can't like I think there's a kind of there's a yin and yang to this because we will talk about the fact that it dragged a bit. I think there were definite lulls in the set for me. Definitely. But but the idea that you paid that money and it was a, it was a lot of money. You know, even I couldn't afford the Golden Circle, but even still, it was. 
quite a lot of money. Can, can, can I briefly talk about this golden circle thing? Only because um, this practice of having a golden circle where basically if you want to be right at the front of the stage, you have to pay, I, I don't know what it was for pumpkins, but probably 150, 160 yeah. quid, something like that. And then you get a standing section that is brand, you know, that is cornered off for people who pay, uh, I think it was 90 quid, the ticket? It was eight, mine was 80 uh, was with booking fees, yeah. 80, okay, 80 quid with booking fees. That's still quite a lot of money. And I was at the f- very front... Oh, because I got there super early because I wanted to see Merca. So I got there before Doors. And as a result, I was at the front of the stand- of the back standing area. And I was still halfway back from the arena. And that cost me 80 quid. Mm. I just think that practice has been quite common in stadiums for a long time. But the reason I wanted to bring it up is because it's the first time I've ever seen it in an arena. Yeah. And I think that is a worrying and shocking and shit thing to do. I don't know if that's the pumpkins. I don't know if it's Wembley arena. I don't know if it's management, but whoever it is, Stop it! Yeah, we're, sti- we're still actually on the good stuff. Oh, sorry. Still actually meant to be on the good stuff at this point. <laughs> sorry. Um, so really I will say to kind of cl- yeah, uh, you know, I couldn't afford the golden circle, um, but it was value for money of, of, of a certain amount of money. In like, terms, for me, yeah. it felt like a value value for money, and plus, yeah. obviously, every time they dropped. Cherub Rock Zero yeah. 1979 today bullet, today bullet with my butterfly bullet yeah, with butterfly bullet, rings the, the crowd for bullet for, for butterfly that rings went same. old school yeah 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 and yeah. it was fucking great yeah. so well done on that like anything more to add of good things I thought you know like Hummer was amazing well we've not mentioned Tonight Tonight which is always fucking incredible live. now Hello. I didn't think that was... I was really disappointed by Tonight Tonight. I oh, really? It was, well, I think it's an absolutely phenomenal song. Yeah. And I thought it felt like a bit of a flat pancake. It was huh. a bit annoying. Okay. Yeah. Like it was not a problem. Um, and also that... Um, I'm leaving me and I'm leaving you. And then pointing and sort of going, now oh, you yeah. must cheer me. Yeah, yeah. Like there was a lot of that, Stalin, wasn't there? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Was went on too long and I thought that, that felt a bit forced but so anyway that's fair enough let's get to the bad stuff um well Billy's face uh, <laughs> <laughs> Billy's face was fucking everywhere yeah um you've kind of touched on this already I think the reason I was so excited I got really excited about this show far too excited as it turns out because I never got to see Smashing Pumpkins original lineup no I know it's not the original lineup because Darcy's not there but yeah, she's never fuck me were you uh, at no point was it did you see Darcy like when oh. they showed the old clips <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, they're surely not going to just erase her from... Oh, they are. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, they have. Okay, they've they've chosen their clips very, very yeah. carefully. Jesus. Uh, that was... Um, yeah, that was... Uh, that I felt brutal. Obviously, we don't know what's happened there, but it felt pretty shitty because she was obviously a pretty... Massive part massive of Massive part of that band for four records. So, yeah. pff, whatever. Anyway. Mm. Um... I was looking forward to this show because I never got to see the original lineup. And I was looking forward to seeing Smashing Pumpkins as a band again, rather than the Billy Corgan show. Mm -hmm. And that is not... If any... I saw Pumpkins three times um, 
you know, once they had reformed without the original yeah. players, once with Jimmy Chamberlain and then the other band members. And to be honest with you, what we saw last night felt more like the Billy Corgan show than those three times. Mm. Um, Fucking hell. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I would even go as far as to say that I those three times I saw them without the original lineup, I prefer to last night. Fucking hell. Yeah. Um, overall, I would say, anyway. Mm. I felt like when they were amazing last night, they were incredible, but there was just so much of Billy Corgan making it about him. And, you know, I know it is his band. I appreciate it is his band, and I appreciate that he has written the majority of the songs. But when I see footage of the Pumpkins' uh, old school they feel like a band to me. There's yeah. an amazing version on um, like a DVD they released just uh, as they split up of uh, Fuck You and O To No One from, I believe, their last ever show at the Metro in Chicago. Yeah. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. It is stunning. And it's stunning because they feel like a band. They feel like a proper fucking band. Now, I know James Eha isn't the most charismatic person in the world. Um, but... It, <sighs> You know, he said at one point that they were really happy to be there back in the UK. I didn't believe him for a millisecond. And even, I mean, Jimmy Chamberlain is probably my favourite drummer of the 90s, I think. I think yeah. he's a fucking stunning drummer. It's great to hear those fills and all the shit. Oh, God, does, yeah. And like, that he, was... he was doing some amazing stuff, but even Jimmy Chamberlain seemed muted compared to how he normally I mean a muted Jimmy Chamberlain is still 10 billion times better than most other drummers but you know he didn't he didn't I I I no none of them seemed to want to be there and like I I I am just really I'm really worried about that new album um mm-hmm. I noticed on Amazon the other day it's eight tracks and they've released a song from it's one song or two songs from it so far uh, I think they've released one or two and um, they are enormously okay like they're, they're, they're fine well they played one of them at the end last yeah. time yeah like, <laughs> after, <laughs> after, <laughs> after Bullet with Butterfly Wings I was like yeah alright fine um, and you know if that's one track from an eight track rec- like if, you, if you're releasing an eight track record every song has to be fucking golden yeah, so I'm does. already worried about that frankly yeah. you know I mean, we can't judge it until we've heard it, but I am worried about it, definitely. Um, And I just, I don't see, you know, Billy Corgan is an amazing talent and he's written a fuck ton of incredible songs. He is an incredible songwriter. He's an incredible guitar player. And he's all right vocally. Um, But like, we don't have, it doesn't have to be the Billy Corgan show, you know? It just doesn't have to. I mean, I found it quite sickening in places, I mean, frankly. Well, when that you've got a video of pretty much the most attractive girl in the entire world. Thank you. Um, crying over a Jesus style porcelain deity mm. of Billy Corgan, which they then bring out in real life mm. and parade around the arena. Mm. I mean, my God, mm. that is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my entire fucking life. Yep. And I, you know, and it was Billy Corgan. The whole show seemed to be Billy, like old footage of, of Smashing Pumpkins. Yep. From back in the day, we're out Darcy. Darcy, <laughs> like airbrushed from history. Um, again, it's completely Stalin-esque. Um, 
And then this sort of weird relationship between this unfathomably beautiful woman mm. <laughs> and this sort of pasty, bald old man. <laughs> and it... Wearing eyeliner, and, wearing eyeliner and, and, and pieces of mi- cracked mirror on his face. Did yeah. you see that at some point? And I, I, I didn't know what was going on at all, no. really, in terms of what's this all supposed to represent and mean. Mm. Um, we should discuss the interludes as well, shouldn't we? Yeah. Uh, which I mean, Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray, mm. I, you know, that was just kept popping up. We popped up a couple of times. This kind of vaudevillian character, mm-hmm. which really yeah. had the rest of the show. It was not consistent with the rest of the the aesthetic of the show. It wasn't really a the aesthetic of the show was quite art decoy, wasn't it? Yeah. it was like art decoy and kind of what you can see the um, the album artwork for their new album is the kind of that sort of black and white art deco thing. Mm. Um, and yes, he was a sort of circus vaudevillain yeah. ringleader, almost yeah. kind of character, I'd say. Yeah, and but he's just a bad actor, and a, a he's t- an annoying actor and a turd. He's a, <laughs> he's a turd, isn't he? He's a shit man. And yeah. for me, like, I don't want to see Mark McGrath like banging on at all. I was, certainly don't want to see it at a Smashing Pumpkins show, like yeah. when it's completely, completely different to the rest of the aesthetic to the show and i was just like mate get on with it, it yeah up. it was a, it was an interesting concept but like not executed i don't want to say that the whole show wasn't executed brilliantly because so, some of those visuals some of, it was amazing, yeah. some of those visuals during some of the songs were absolutely beautiful i thought again bullet from butterfly wings so simple just the zero in red and black flashing yeah, behind yeah them yeah yeah it was, was absolutely looked brilliant. amazing just yeah. all looked like bathed in red and black like that was fucking great. Some of it was wonderful. I can't remember what song it was during, but there was this sequence which looks a little bit like the um, the dream from the Big Lebowski with all these women yeah, dancing around. That was great. That yeah. was wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I wish was, I could remember the song. That now, was great. But like, and even like, and there, but there were some like 1979 was just this girl sucking a lollipop and Billy Corgan sat in a car with her with that little bit from 1979. And I was like, yeah. I feel like there was so much more that you did with other songs that are not kind of as well known or as not don't have that sense of grandeur and that sense of importance around them hmm. and that was a really really massive could have been a really huge massive important part of the set and it just was like oh we just played that song and you know billy corgan pretended to drive a car in the well i mean so they had a screen and it split in the middle and then they sort of split apart and then they came yeah. back together yeah. and i was i thought it was you know they didn't seem to be paying much attention to, to each other and they were meant i assume they were meant to be a couple and all this kind of thing I didn't. I didn't mind that, but I. I no, I didn't yeah. mind it. I was just like, mm. I don't think it's brilliant. Yeah. No. And then, I mean, uh, when he got on the Hammond organ, I mean, again, that looked amazing, and he put on a big fucking white hat like Colonel Sanders, like KFC. I was like, what are you doing? Like, what's going on here? So he got on the piano to play for Martha, which is the song, beautiful song at the end of uh, Adore, dedicated to his mother passing away. And dressed like a fucking dressed like a fucking cowboy, <laughs> like just just in the cotton plantation. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? I mean, you know, obviously he can play his songs in whatever he wants to play, but I and I, 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 I it's not really for me to say it's disrespectful because obviously it's his mother, but it just felt like it was just like, what are you doing? 
What are you doing? It was his Axl Rose moment, wasn't it? I mean, he had a lot of Axl Rose moments last night. And I say that as a Guns N' Roses fan, but I'm not saying it. An Axl Rose moment is not a good thing at all. (laughs) I mean, at that point in the set, although it looked amazing, that was one of the lulls, about a sort of hour 10, hour 15 in, where I started losing the will to live. They played a couple of songs from a door in a row, and I'm not convinced that that was a... That's that's the thing. The set, whilst there were wonderful moments in the set, it wasn't a very well-conceived set list. No, it was patchy, I thought. It was really patchy. And there were parts where they were playing piano material, for example, from Adore for far too long, for like 20 minutes in total. And, you know, I, I mean, just any excuse to bring it back to Pearl Jam couldn't help but think about Pearl Jam because well, that was the last big arena three-hour rock show that we saw yep. together, right? Mm-hmm. Pearl Jam, as I've said before on this podcast, changed their set every single night and yet they still manage to put a set together that flows better than the Smashing Pumpkins have done on this tour mm. which and they're doing exactly the same set every single night. And I was just, I was just kind of amazed by that. And I also sort of, I think that Smashing Pumpkins would feel more like a band if they challenged themselves to play a different set every night. I mean, I do appreciate that with the show that they are putting on, they can't do that. Um, But personally for me, I would much rather just have Smashing Pumpkins as a band in a room doing, you know, doing totally different sets every single night, just four musicians, maybe have a fifth person on piano or whatever, but... Just, just make it a band thing rather than this massive vaudevillian. That's the thing. It's, it's ironic that Smashing Pumpkins get tarred as a grunge band. Yeah, yeah. When you think like, you know, they're hardly Mud Honey. Can you imagine no. Mud Honey doing that? I mean, Never. like you can't imagine Pearl Jam doing no. it. Let alone you think about. We saw Alison Chains recently. What did Alison Chains have? A few lights. Yeah. What yeah. did the fucking Pearl Jam have? Yeah. A few lights. Yeah. What did Nirvana ever have? A backdrop. What did the fucking Soundgarden ever have? A backdrop. Yeah. And like a bit of swirly like yeah. lights in the background pumpkin's ambitions last night were classic rock grand absolutely um yeah. you know and you to know. call them a grunge band like is ridiculous absolutely ridiculous they've got literally got nothing to do with no with, with that sort of thing at all they just happen to be out at the same time um, I, think, I think even back the, the, almost every single smashing pumpkins album is is around the 70 minute mark they did a double album for their third record who the fuck does that mm. you know like They've always been grand and pre- preposterous, basically, and, and quite pompous, I suppose. Yeah. There's always been an element of that to them, but I think the pomposity has uh, gone way over the top with this tour. And personally. we should talk about the covers. It reached its zenith. Oh, God, I mean, yeah. you mentioned the Fleetwood Mac cover, which I could take or leave. I thought... <laughs> I only liked it because they brought out Amelie. Yeah, uh, from yeah. Luka, was, who I think is cool. a brilliant vocalist, mm, mm, and it was nice to hear a version. Stairway was not needed in any way whatsoever they like, played a st- a th- the whole of stairway to heaven yeah don't need that no but i think the nadir the uh the wor- one of the worst moments i've seen on a, a stage in front of people by professional musicians ever was billy corgan dressed like a, a mint humbug <laughs> <laughs> climbing up a set of like corrugated iron stairs yeah. in front of some visuals of rockets taking off yeah. 
to dance in time with Smashing Pumpkins' quite poor version yep. of David Bowie's Space Oddity. Yep. Now, this is becoming a bit of a theme of the show, of me going, please, stop paying tribute to David Bowie. Yeah. The best tribute you can pay to David Bowie just to shut up. is to leave his memory well fucking alone. Yes. Paramount 5000 have done it. Paul Weller have done it. Smashing Pumpkins have now done it. It to, was to, 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 horrendous. It was awful. Um, it was the sixth track as well. And it really made my... I think this was probably the point where I went, I think I'm going to have to leave. Yeah. Um, I will say that I am glad I stayed overall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but fuck me. This is one of the worst... Yeah, I totally agree with you. This is one of the worst things I've ever... One of the worst five minutes I've ever spent in a gig venue. It was so preposterous and so ridiculous. I do feel that a lot of the times that the show went wrong was when um, Billy Corgan put his guitar down. He actually tried being a front man a few times. Um, He was doing the robot. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He was doing the fucking, you know, the dink, 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 that bit. He was doing the robot to that. It's like, what are you doing? (sighs) And he was back to the audience like... But, oh, it was so bad. It was so it was terrible. bad. It was terrible. That is not the first time I've seen them do Space Oddity, I have to say. Yeah. They were actually doing it... Um, uh, God, it might have even been before Bowie died, you know. I can't remember, but they were Probably definitely... They, <laughs> <laughs> they were definitely doing it before. Um, um, but... Before it was just an annoying run through of a song that I like, with all the pompous crap that they put on top of it, it was just the most disgusting performance. I mean, it was absolutely. You text depraved. me during it. What, tell, yeah. tell people what you text me. Uh, I can't, um, <laughs> you I come on, you check. know what I'm talking about. You yeah. don't need to check. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, I can't remember the exactly album. What... You said, "What's this shit?" or something. Uh, I was, I was, I, and then you, yeah, said, I said this is more like Siamese nightmare than yeah. Siamese dream. And I thought to myself, "Silly Billy in the infinite weirdness," because <laughs> 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 it seems like he's really weird. He's a weird. <laughs> he's yeah. so weird. You gotta love him for being weird. Like you say, he's yeah. a genius, and yeah, you have yeah, to yeah. kind of take the weirdness. Have you ever interviewed Billy Corgan? No, no. I've met him. Right, and I really liked him. I thought he was cool. a, he was a, he was he was a nice guy. Yeah, I would love to interview. I mean, I'm not sure if it's going to happen after what I've just said about no. him for the last twenty minutes, but I'd love to. He meet was him. a really nice guy, and I think because I thought he's a bit mental, I just talked to him about because he was on the front cover of like Cats magazine. Uh, cats magazine some sort of cat magazine he right. likes cats and oh, so I cool. like cats as well so I just yeah. was like do you want to talk about cats right. and he went alright <laughs> and we just talked about cats <laughs> okay. which seems now seems like a bit of a wasted opportunity <laughs> but there you go but he was he was alright and I think he sort of he got a little he had a little bit of fun time with me talking about cats so but overall yeah it was up and down yeah, to say the least, to say the least. We um, just super quickly, we we watched uh, Zoo TV quite recently, the Supra U2 show. Yeah. And it, if you're familiar with it, um, it reminded me of that 
enormously in that when it was good, it was pretty damn spectacular. I yeah. will absolutely give them that. Yeah, yeah. But when it was bad, my goodness gracious me, it yeah. was appalling. Yeah. Um. So yeah, with with Zupra, it's more the first half is great and the second half is awful. Yeah. This was. All, like, over the shop. all over the shop like yeah. a roller coaster like one moment i was sobbing because i was just like oh my god you're destroying my one of my favorite bands and then the next i was like despite all my rage i am killed you ready you know like yeah. like it was very 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 up and down um one more thing we have to talk about the crown the song that they finished with right go on so, uh, for some reason, I can't remember what the song is now, but for some reason, they're playing some cover to um, finish these shows. I don't know this ba- song. Baby Mine. It's by Betty Noise, apparently. Oh. Um, and they all come out to the front of the stage. Jimmy Chamberlain is strumming on a ukulele. Um, and they're all just... It's this just... And <clears throat> Billy Corgan comes out wearing a crown and a cloak like a cloaky capey thing a weird fucking crown and he sings this song and they're like good night everyone and it's just like that's it you i mean they've they've got a history of being twats like that oh yeah they? i know but- i know they do i saw them at the o2 arena um they were meant to play share of rock as the last song and they did an echo and the bunnyman cover instead i know you like echo and the bunnyman I but, do, the, but but that was not <laughs> yeah. but that was not what people wanted they no. wanted share of rock i know they have the history of that but the Smashing Pumpkins, I mean, they shouldn't be playing covers at all. The Smashing Pumpkins have a lot of fucking brilliant songs that they did not play last night. Yeah. You know, like they have an, a phenomenal back catalogue. You don't need to do a full version of Stairway to Heaven. You don't need to do that silly baby me cover. You don't, you, you just well, play so fucking things. muzzle. <laughs> play. <laughs> they cut it from the set list. Play muzzle, play silver fuck. Yeah, they cut they cut muzzle from the set. I know they that, cut like muzzle, and it's one of my favourite songs. And I was angry, and I'm still angry. Yeah. So there you go, Smashing Pumpkins 30th anniversary. Uh, like most good parties, uh, you got you had a nice time, but you got a headache as well. <laughs> um, so uh, let's let's move on. Let's get on with the rest of the show because I feel like we've spoken about that quite a lot. Mm. So, um, mate, the Cure are playing the Rock Verka Festival in Belgium on oh, Friday yeah. the 29th of June. Ooh. Now they've announced they're going to be doing about 20 festivals, headlining 20 festivals throughout Europe next year. Oh, okay. They've revealed only one at the uh, Malahide Castle in Dublin on the 8th of June, which is anywhere near, or I guess our neck of the woods mm-hmm. if you like um so they're playing belgium on the friday the 29th of june glastonbury weekend got a fancy the cure for glastonbury mm. haven't you? yes i i think i do mm. i think the cure are gonna headline glastonbury mm. i think that'd be cool mm. um i'm sure someone will complain but um well yeah the sort of people who go now to, to listen to fucking <laughs> Um, no, I think that would be great. Um, the Cure are, I mean, we've just been talking about a tricky band. The Cure are quite notorious for being quite tricky as well. They are, yeah. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if... But they're consistent though. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. They're consistently they're consistently tricky, but they're consistent in their level of performance. You don't get The Cure coming on and pissing about. Mm, they mm-hmm, play their mm-hmm, song. Mm-hmm. You, it's like, you know, you might not know this song, but we're going to play it. It wasn't like last night. Like mm-hmm. they're not, it's not a, comparable thing. okay okay but, yeah okay. i've never seen the cure live so okay, i can't yeah. i can't comment really Saw but the uh, royal abbott hall a few years ago oh lovely stuff mm. um 
I think it'd be a brilliant booking for Glastonbury. Mm. And um, yeah, I think that'd be fantastic. And it makes sense yeah. uh, that they would do that. So, and have they, have they, they've not headlined Glastonbury before, have they? Uh, they might have done. Really? I don't know. I actually, I, I don't know. But there you go. I just think, you know, Glastonbury obviously is going to be back this year. And you would imagine, I think I've heard Kylie, Depeche Mode being, uh, if you had a, if you had a day, if it, if it was Kylie and that Sunday, like mid-afternoon slot, that they where they always get a kind of legendary sort of pop artist playing, yeah. not someone a bit different, and then Depeche Mode or The Cure headlining, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. Not that I like want to watch Kylie, to be perfectly honest, but oh, I want to watch Kylie. <laughs> I bet you want to watch Kylie, you dog. <laughs> um, uh, in, in, in other festivals, um, Slam Dunk have announced NerfX Gallows and some other utterly pointless bands <laughs> to play their festival in 2019. I really love that, Samata. Uh, some well fuck it never mind I fucked it up is that what carry on oh, go on let's do it <laughs> I really love that some utterly pointless band band yeah <sighs> ooh <laughs> I'm gonna move on um, Perry Farrell so that'd be good now Gallows Gallows coming back that's good to it's good to know and yeah, yeah. You know, I like NerfX um, Perry Farrell is planning his first solo album in 19 years oh lovely so, um, any thoughts about that? Um, well, it's difficult to know what to think about it because what are we going to get from Perry Farrell? I mean, like... Could be bloody anything, really, couldn't it? It, it, it could I... Well, I'm just, I was about to say it could either be absolutely amazing or it could be excruciatingly bad. But come to think of it, I don't think there's anything that Perry's done that I've, like, properly disliked. And mate, I'm hankering for a porno for Pyro's a union. That'd be great. Personally. Yeah, like, that'd be great. You know, they, I don't see it happening, but it'd be great. No, no, no. I, I don't think anyone really wants it either. Do you know what I mean? I think people would rather he just did James Addiction. And James Addiction obviously are the the thing that yeah. people want him to do. But I would really like to see those songs, particularly from the sort of um, the first album. I would mm. really, really like to see those songs live. Because I've seen James Addiction a bunch of times now. And, yeah. um, and they're fucking, you know, they're great. They're one of the fucking all time great bands. And also, um, when we talk about comebacks, I think I think it's not said enough that um, Jane, well, Jane's Addictions have uh, two comeback records, yeah. technically. Um, both of which, I'm going to say it, are very good. Strays is really good. Well, I, I think The Great Escape Artist is the really good one. Oh, do you? Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's great. I think that's all right. I, I I particularly like it because it's very different from anything that they've ever done. Mm. And I think when you come back with a record which is still you, but very, very, very different, kind of like A Perfect Circle did earlier this year, uh-huh. I think that is probably the best way you can approach that. Fair. Um, I really like Strays as well, though, I have to say. Yeah, but, Strays um, is great. Yeah. But I, 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 think, I don't think they're brought up in the conversation enough when we talk about great comeback records. I mean, the great escape artist didn't really seem to do anything. I don't no, think. it didn't. No, it um, took me a long time. I, I hated it when I first heard it. And really? I kind of didn't mind it after a while. But yeah. I would, well, it's probably my third favourite James record. I've it for a long time. I might go back and listen to it. It's actually. a great record, man. It's really yeah, good. Yeah, will. Okay. Um, so, yeah, but the Perry Farrell album, like we could get kind of, I, I imagine you're either going to get some sort of acoustic um bongo hippie album or you might get some sort of <laughs> electronic album like, who knows i yeah. genuinely don't know I genuinely certainly don't looking know. forward to it um one way or the other because perry farrell is a you know like an artiste a true artist yeah. and and, and yeah. you know that even if it is quote unquote bad it will at least be interesting and mm. actually i don't think it will be bad necessarily well we'll have to see we'll but, have to see yeah to my favourite news story of the week, Renfrey. Okay. Atreyu invented metalcore, apparently. 
<laughs> did they? Did they actually? Um, their front man, Alex Vartakatz, I can't be bothered to say his name oh, properly. He says, I don't know where we fit in any scene. Mm, I do. <laughs> and I don't think that any scene knows where we fit. Mm, they do. <laughs> I think that's just part of us. This is going to sound a little cocky, <laughs> but I'm the singer in a band. I don't think we fit into any genre. I think we are hard to pin down. Hmm. When we first started, it was a little easier. We were a metallic hardcore band with singing parts. There wasn't anyone else like that when we were doing it. People get confused and say, you're a metalcore band, but we invented metalcore. That may sound cocky, but I don't care. We predate Poison the Well. They don't. And Killswitch Engage and all those bands. I've been doing this literally since I was 12 years old. So Betrayer actually formed in 1998. And that is the same year as Poison the Well released Distance Only Makes a Heart Grow Fonder. Um, yeah, which so is got their, a, debut. their debut record. So you've got to think that they probably formed yeah. before that. Um, also, Until Your Heart Stops by Cave-In, who formed in 1995, uh, yeah. also came out that year. Also, Function on Impatience by Kalesk came out that year, which is their second album, yep. as did When Forever Comes Crashing by Converge. And let's not forget which that that's their, their third, third album. album. And also, Seasons in the Size of Days uh, by Integrity came out that year, and that's their fourth album, and they celebrated their 10th anniversary when that album came out. So, yeah, uh, this is a bit like Good Charlotte saying that they invented punk. Right? <laughs> yeah, uh, you are fucking terrible, and we won't ever be reviewing one of their lame, shitty, radio rock albums but we will take the fucking piss out of the stupid cunts oh which yeah, is yeah what yeah. i am intended to do now renfrey any uh, advances on atreyu as the godfathers of metalcore uh, well they're not, <laughs> no, um, they're not I, they? I, i've just checked uh wikipedia uh the source of all of my knowledge and um their first studio album is suicide notes and butterfly kisses which was released in 2002 2002 uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about Grade in a little bit. Yes. Um, who had actually split up by the time that album yes. came out. Yes. So, uh, and they released four albums. Yeah. So, they also, if anything, Atreyu, what Atreyu are responsible or, or, or partly responsible for is the, um, I don't know about watering down of metal, but metal core, but certainly making it shit and really um, generic Mm. and the same fucking formula over and over and over and over again to to the point where it bores the fucking shit out of you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're they're responsible for that. Yeah, no, they're definitely definitely responsible for that. And I think um, it's funny because the first time I'd even heard of them is when they supported Boy Sets Fire. Again, Mm. a band who had four albums out by the time uh, Atreyu came to support them. And I remember thinking like, this music has utterly jumped the shark. Complete with with a band like Atreyu, who literally, um, it's funny. I did I did a piece for Metal Hammer about the Boston hardcore scene of the mid nineties, right? Yes, and very good Metallica. piece. I have yeah, to say, really, really had a lot of fun doing it. It was amazing doing that. And I spoke to Aaron Turner, who formed Hydrahead Records yep. and was the front man of ISIS yep. and now Celestial, uh, and yeah, and uh, is in Sumac as well. And yes. um, he was saying that when he saw bands like Atreyu I can't you know probably means Avengers Sevenfold and those sort of bands as well like when he saw them he was like what this is is the kind of the shell the 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 dress of all the bands that I liked with absolutely no understanding of where the scene had come from or, or what that that was well, that's exactly what our front boy of a tree is just falling yeah. into, isn't so, it? So, 
if he's saying that, yeah, yeah, completely, it is properly like you don't know what you're talking about. Mm. Mm. And yeah. it, it is like, it, I read it's it's so beyond hilarious to for Atreyu to think that they invented metalcore. It, it's fucking insanely, insanely hilarious. Some shitty washed up radio rock band who've got literally got nothing to do with the sort of true essence of hardcore or metallic hardcore saying something like that uh, i just thought was really funny this was a interview for rock sound wasn't it yeah for rock sound so to give him credit i mean rock sound readers probably will believe him because they oh yeah yeah um but i mean uh, fucking I'm sure bloody Knock Loose could come and say that they invented metalcore and rock sound <laughs> readers to go, oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you did. Well, well, music started in 1998, according to most rock sound readers. So, um, yes, I would be very harsh on rock sound. <laughs> I know. Fuck we it. are being, we are being, I mean, <laughs> deserved. It's not for us, guys. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, it's one of the most preposterous stories of the week. And um, not just uh, the week, uh, yeah, yeah. I, of my life. Yeah. I think it's it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, I, I, it I, is like the guy from Northern Uproar going up to John Lennon and going, "Oh, you're welcome, mate. Yeah. You know, I invented <laughs> rock and roll for uh, you." I'd like, I'd like I mean, Ocean Colour Scene going up to Robert Plant and going, "Yeah, don't mention it, mate." <laughs> I, I have nothing more to add. That's great. Um, I, 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 we should maybe we should try getting him on the show and just asking. Wh- huh? Uh, what? I don't, don't want to talk to him. No, I don't either. No. Maybe we should. Maybe no. Actually, I'm not going to say that on a medium that's being kidnapped, <laughs> uh, uh, recorded. Oh, uh, oh, Freudian slip. Uh, let's go. Let's All carry right. on. Trade off. So uh, you gave me Harvest of Darkness by Wild Throne. I gave you Head First Straight to Hell by Grade, yeah. uh, which we'll start with since it does actually, uh, uh, like I say, it kind of segues nicely okay, into um, in what we're talking about mm-hmm. with uh, the geese from Atreo. So I love uh, the third album by Grade. which Under the Radar. Came out in 1999, a year after <laughs> Atreo formed. Um, and they had three albums by that point. Uh, literally one of my favourite albums ever. Yeah. Uh, they are the band that invented Screamo. And I want to give a shout out to Simon Young. Uh, do you know Simon? Uh, I don't know. I know of him. Right. So Simon Young, who writes for Kerrang! still now to this day, I believe. Um, he actually penned that phrase in Kerrang! in conjunction with Grade during the Under the Radar cycle. So oh. the first time the word Screamo was ever used was by Simon Young in Kerrang! And you can take that to the fucking bank because that is the truth. Um, awesome. I remember thinking, what a cool thing. I remember reading it and being like, because I loved Grade already. And I was like, oh, wow, they're in Kerrang! And that's mm. good. Um, so they are the godfathers of Screamo. They formed in 1993, sit down a tray. Um, <laughs> but uh, this is a very, very different record um, from Under the Radar, Head First, Straight to Hell. This is less lovelorn and much more metal inspired in 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 every way i think uh which um, is which is cool uh, so, okay first of all i really like this record it's mm. really good the only grade record i knew uh was under the radar mm-hmm. before this so i you hinted last week that it was very 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 different i think it is somewhat different but broadly the same <laughs> right okay <laughs> um which is no bad thing at all, I really I, this. It's a great record. It's really, really good. 
Um, and I also thought that the differences were kind of more in, you know, there's a couple of instrumentals on this record mm-hmm. and stuff like that, both of which I love. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I can, I see what you mean. There's that song um, in the wake of Poseidon, mm-hmm. which has that, I'm sorry to say it, but that quite Iron Maiden-esque Jewel, bit, Jewel, Jewel guitars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, like they're not ripping off Maiden at all, but there's definitely a nod to them, I um, think. Yeah. Um, well, mate, even before that, I mean, the first, the first three tracks... Right, you get that. Where ride with her severed head. There's a song about cutting someone's head off and then burying the body and hoping the worms eat them away. Yeah. That's metal. That's yeah. on Terminates Hollow. It's fucking great. All, all of the lyrics on this record are, are like that. Yeah, like, they're all, yeah, me- they're like, all like cannibal corpses. Yeah, and stuff like, like that. proper. Like that could be a misfit song. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? yeah, like, yeah. It's proper. Yeah. And then you get that. Um, I'm becoming not being that bass halfway through that bass line gallop that boom, 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 like that bass oh, yeah, gallop yeah, yeah. is that is well Iron Maiden yeah, 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 yeah. really yeah. really made yeah, and yeah. then like I say you get that like, wow, 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 that jewel in the guitar lead part in the wake of Poseidon yeah. and that's just the first three tracks yeah 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 and there's nothing at all like any of that on Under the Radar we should say that or separating the magnets or we should say that this does not sound like Iron Maiden no no but, no, but, no but no. there are you, if you're sort of listening for them, almost you can you can hear Maiden esque uh, mm. parts. You, you can hear that they're clearly fans of Maiden. I yeah, think. I think that's fair to say. Um, what was I, gonna say? I, I love the um, there's this beautiful clean guitar instrumental outro on uh, Vertical Transmission, mm-hmm. um, and 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 the the other like the other main um, instrumental that I love. It's the second to last or the third to last track. It's like a full on, it's almost four minutes long. It's actually one of the longest songs on the record. Um, and it's just all entirely instrumental. I cannot remember the name of it. I can't. It doesn't matter, actually. Um, but the, the, it's those parts of this record that I really, really like, where they kind of, ex- they're a bit more expansive. I do think this is a more expansive record than Under the Radar. Yeah. I reckon. yeah well, yeah, I think, I, I think it, I think it definitely is. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think, you know, the Under the Radar is a a punk record yeah. with kind of emo bits in and is quite, it's a kind of an ag- a very, very, very aggressive emo album. Yes. The way that I, I think that's Under fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really quite lovelorn. It's really um, sort of romantic. It's got a, a melancholic vibe to it. But at the same time, it's throat rippy and there's punky, like not metally, but punky kind of riffs and guitar parts on it. Whereas um, on this, you know, the artwork, the leads, mm. the lyrics, like mm. you say, the lyrics are so brutal all the way through it. It's all super inspired by trad metal. I mean, you just have to look at the, the front cover of the record, like this demon wing Satan thing yeah, comes bursting true, out of a grave. Like, and which was not cool at the time. No. Like, do you know what I mean? This no. is, I think... Bruce Dickinson might have just rejoined Iron Maiden at this point. Uh, he rejoined at, towards the end of 99. So, yeah, so uh, Brave mean, New World came out in May 2000. Yeah, so he's been in back in Maiden for a year. So obviously yeah. Maiden are, back on, are definitely on the way back up. But in terms of traditional heavy metal cliches and yeah. you know indulging yourself in that, no one had really... That, that wasn't being done... That was, like Saxon weren't cool and Priest no. weren't cool and even Slayer this is you know pre-God Hates Us All I think yeah. um, even Slayer were kind of looked at as being a bit like old hat by some people well they just come off of the back of uh, Diablos and Music Diablos and Music yeah, yeah, yeah. which is and possibly their worst album oh, undoubtedly their worst album mm. and 
you know, you 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 get the feeling that like grade kind of deliberately went. No, nah, we're going. We're we're going to do something that's just not like that's really different from under the radar. Mm. And is yeah, I think kind of aesthetically, it's completely different in every way. And um, that's a very valid point. Which I, in terms of the time that it came out, I hadn't considered that mm. how uncool it was to do what they were doing. Yeah, I mean, um, I was so really surprised by it when yeah. it came out. Like, yeah. uh, but you like it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like it. Mm. Um, that instrumental track is called uh, "The Empress." by the way. Yeah. And uh, it really reminds me, as, as does a lot of this record, uh, although Grade came before them, but it reminds, if, you, if you're if you a fan of Thursday, I think you could get a lot out of Grade, I reckon. Uh, I'm not so much in this album, I don't think. Less so on this album. I'm talking yeah. more as a whole. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It, I, I think maybe I'm mentioning Thursday because it reminded me of, um, there's a Thursday album called A City by the Light Divided, which mm-hmm. I think is really underrated personally. Yeah, it's a good album, that. Yeah, it's really good. But there's this great instrumental track on it, um, which that song reminded me of. Um, mm. It's got a ridiculously long title and I can't remember it now. Um, but, uh, oh, here it is. It's Arc Lamp Signal Flares, A Shower of White the Light course it is yeah um but um yeah there's definitely that kind of spaced out instrumental vibe on that and stuff and I, yeah I, I think this is a wicked record but then at the same time yeah in some ways it's a metal record I it isn't i mean they kind of hit that because in the the kind of the embarrassing past uh, which is the album before this that they released in yes. between uh, under the radar and this uh, it was a sort of older songs and some b-sides and some live yeah. versions of there's a version of panama by van halen oh, is which there? is full like you know fake stadium crowd noises in the background you could oh, tell that they right. were going for that so maybe they're maybe they're uh, i think <laughs> maybe they're to blame for atreyu and all those bands <laughs> who are wanting to be fucking van Halen. um but yeah i uh, do really love it my my only beef with it really um is the final track which i think is completely unnecessary um six it's like 16 minutes long and it's wind noises i think it's yeah of say. course yeah i mean i don't really i yeah i sort of just wanted to mention it because it was like this this is what we sometimes we had to put up with this kind of shit in the era <laughs> CD of cds yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah where you just get where you get like a four minute track and then there's like fucking 30 minutes of of silence or whatever that you have to you know forward through and then you get a bonus track at the end like around the first one of the most annoying ones because that bonus track is fucking great. Oh yeah, Demone, that's a fucking yeah. great song. Um, song there's just so many and it was just the cool thing to do and it's fucking annoying. Yeah, it's but yeah, it just reminded Absolutely me of that. Rubbish. But you know, uh, so I still think Under the Radar is the one. If you're interested in going to check out Grade Under and you don't know them at all, for me, Under the Radar is still the one. I mean, that yeah. is one of the great records. Um, but it's great that they went so far the other way almost mm. every conceivable way they went they're a great band i will say this is definitely worth checking out but my only warning for people who are used to more modern production is it does have a very kind of and i don't mean this too disparagingly but a very victory records kind of production yeah it, uh, it was out on victory records, it was out it? on victory um it's just a very thin um we don't have a lot of money but we're trying our best late 90s early 2000s sound you know um so compared to today's production techniques it's it might it might take you a little while to get into it if if you're if you're only used to like new stuff um i hear it and i just go ah what a day yeah (laughs) yeah great days but some people might find that a little hurdle to get over but but um but 
pursue it because it's worth it i think definitely yeah i do too so there you go that's great um the album is called head first straight to hell and it is their last one before they split up and they reformed recently and i did they yeah they reformed a couple of about four or five years ago Ah. got back together did a new ep which is all right and uh and they sort of vanished again anyway you gave me harvest of darkness by wild throne i thought i'd heard this but i hadn't oh right because i would have fucking definitely remembered if i'd heard Mm. this um for sure mm. so it kind I of hope rem- that's a positive yeah yeah I, it kind of reminds me and i don't know if you've this is why you've sort of given it to me it was reminds me of the blood brothers gone metal that yeah yeah or maybe mars volta if they'd been brought up on venom and priest rather than on like zapper and king crimson mars volta would have been my first yeah i love that oh, Stephen, you should do this as a career i should uh, shouldn't I? Yeah. <laughs> that's a very good yeah that's a very yeah. good um one thing i'm gonna say about wild throne um they're a three-piece i know unbelievable. what the fuck um, massive their vote their vocalist uh, I think he's the guitarist as well. He's playing vocals and playing guitar at the same time. Playing vocals. That's, <laughs> oh, it's been a long week. Uh, he's singing <laughs> and uh, uh, playing guitar at the same time, which is when you hear this record, it's just like, what the fuck? I mean, it, they sound like they've got three guitar players. Oh, it's insane. Mm. It's insane the shit that's going on in this record. It's absolute madness. Um, again, another record that, you know, was probably given 150 words in Kerrang and probably 3Ks or whatever, mm. just ignored for some fucking reason. And and, and um, they split up not too long ago, um, mm. which fucking sucks. Uh, yeah. Because Jesus Christ, this band are amazing, aren't they? Yeah, like, man, really, really great. Yeah, like again, very, very good. Ah, it's another good one you give me. Actually, it's pretty, pretty annoying. Um, <laughs> well, I shouldn't have given you Clawfinger last week. You shouldn't week. have given me <laughs> no, Clawfinger. No. Um, but yeah, it's really good. I mean. The, the, the amount of shit they get into their songs like they are like six minutes and they do feel like do you know what I I was listening to it and I was like a few people have pushed back on us a little bit from the sort of not the negative review but the kind of fairly like yeah you know when it's good it's really good but it's not good all the way through that we gave on High and Fire Mm, now I listen to this and I go see now that's what you can do in six minutes Mm. like it's cool that High on Fire just go yeah yeah burst it like motorhead like let's just Mm. beat the fuck out of everyone but they do that as well, mm. but there's so much more ingenuity and mm. so much more kind of craft and um, and the levels, the way it goes up and down. I mean, what's this on Born to Die is just mm-hmm. fucking yeah. outrageous. Yeah. Like the way it kind of twists and turns and on a on a sixpence, it's it's really fucking brilliant. And his voice goes all over. It just feels to me, it makes it feel more exciting because those the parameters of what they do within the space of one song feels a lot wider than just being like, let's be a metal band. Do you yeah. know what I mean? When I'm talking about Blood Brothers and Mars Volta and Zappa and, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? And King Crimson I mean, do you think, like do that. you think they're a metal band? I think they're, I, I would consider them to be a metal band because mm. they are so hyper aggressive. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's, it feels really hyper aggressive to me. Um, like a metal band. It's not hyper aggressive in a kind of punk way. It's definitely sort of, yeah, it doesn't feel like tech. I, I, you know, to me, it's there's enough like in the way of the the power of the the riffs and the. It's got a really like bleak attitude. Mm. Like everything about it feels, kind of dark and sinister and, uh, yeah. So I listened to it and I was like, oh, and and it also just makes me want to bang the, my fucking head as well. True. I, I mean, they, they were signed to Roadrunner. 
Um, and this record was produced by Ross Robinson. Yeah, that's interesting, you know. Yeah, isn't it? Mm. Um, so from that point of view, I guess you could say metal. I, I think it's giving... I do understand your arguments, but I think it's giving ever so slightly wrong impression to describe. Like, if you're one of those people who's just like, oh, metal's just not my thing, please do still try and check, check out this record because I don't think it'll be what you're expecting from... Yeah, but you could, I mean, you could record. say that about a Mastodon or a Gajira. Do you know what I mean? Like they both, and actually it was like two weeks on the chop that I've mentioned Mastodon and Gajira, but they are kind of like the bullseye bands when you go, metal's not just but they're silly. and Maybe because it's the two guitars in both of those bands, but they're just chunkier than Wild Throne. I, I, I mean, I, I don't think to call them a metal band is quote unquote incorrect or wrong. Uh-huh. Uh, I just, I just think it might be giving some people the wrong impression if um, they might, might potentially check out this record or whatever. But, but yeah, I see what you're saying, and I don't disagree per se. But it's not. I don't think it is metal in the same way that Mastodon or Gojira are. Really, no, no, I don't think it's metal in the same way as Mastodon or Gojira are. But I think my point is, is that those bands are much more than just when you go well you know metal might put people off well metal might put people off a lot of things but it doesn't mean it's not metal yeah yeah no, fair Do you know what i mean I, I think there's the, the like to me the essence of the sort of fire and like i say the sinister mm. fire and um and power of heavy metal is so present on this record um I can't but it's just really interesting kind of eclectic music mm. Mm. Um, and the fact they're a three piece, I think, is it's insane, isn't it? F- ridiculous. It's they played the old blue last. Uh, it was a free show. I mean, that's the level they got to. They played the yeah. old blue last free show. Bummer. And uh, I didn't attend. I was either at another show or I was ill or something like that. And then they split up a few months later. And it is one of my biggest regrets in, in music in the last like five or ten years. I'm fucking gutted that I never got to see them live. Oh, but mate. apparently they could do this live. Apparently they just recreated it. And I, I'm sure it would have been a phenomenal, phenomenal thing to see. Yeah. Um, my favourite song on it, uh, is Born to Die your favourite song? Ooh, is it? Um, <sighs> I Am The Prism's really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, The Wrecking Ball Unchained. I, I was going to say The Wrecking Ball is, Unchained. Yeah, I think Born to Die into... It's got a, It ends so... Like, it, it ends really well. It ends well. so strongly, yeah, doesn't it's it? it's a strong old ending. I will record. say, if I'm being super, super critical, I do think it's a track, maybe two tracks too long overall. Um, yeah, it's quite long. But that's it? me being really mm. pedantic, and I say everything's too long, so, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, um, but fucked up album, isn't it? No, no, I don't <laughs> think it is. Um, Just to bring that up from last week. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, I mean, what a phenomenal band, what a phenomenal record, and what a fucking shame that yeah, no shame one that. seemed to pick up on them. But yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, we hopefully they'll they'll bloody reform. Everyone I does, fucking hope they? they do. So that's Harvest of Darkness by Wild Throne. Thank you for that, Renfrey. Very um, what are you giving me next week? Next week, I am giving you something slightly different. I'm giving you um, Okovi, I think it's how it's pronounced, by Zola Jesus. I've heard of Zola Jesus. Mm, yes, you have. A covey by Zola Jesus. Yeah, I think it's O-K-O-V-I, I believe. I'd like to point out it's, it is a covey. There's a, there's one which is called a covey editions. That's like a B-sides mm. thing. Ignore that. Um, it's perfectly fine, but that's not what I want you to listen to. Okay. A covey. All right. It's, uh, mm. Right. 
I don't. I'm taking a going out on a limb here because I have a feeling you might have heard this record. Okay. I'll be suck if you do, because uh, it was between two things this week, and one of them was like a greatest hits. I thought I can't really give you a greatest hits, can Ew. I? So uh, I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to give you Nakmistium, mm. the American black metal band. Okay. The album Assassins mm-hmm. from yep. 2008. We can do that. You heard that? I've not heard that. Nope. Okay, cool. I know so, Nakmistium. Yeah, so uh, there you go. Nakmistium Assassins will be Renfries next week. Nice. And I'm getting a covey by Zola... What are they called? Zola Jesus. Zola, I thought it was Zola Jesus, and I was like, I can't be called Zola Jesus. That's a mental name. <laughs> <laughs> but there we go. Uh, all right, well, that's next week. Let's go and do a few reviews, and then Renfries going to be talking to bloody Greg Pacciato and Steve... Steve Alexander yeah that's it I I nearly called him the other one Uh, let's start off with Greta Van Fleet Anthems of the Peaceful Army the much hyped debut album from the youthful Michigan Quartet the saviors of rock Renfrey if some are to be believed lots of people (laughs) but are they Um, yeah Greta Van Fleet they really sound like someone I can't quite put my finger on it um Um, okay I feel like I might go on a bit of a rant about this um so yeah sorry bear with just have a cup of tea Steve um put the kettle on uh so Greta Van Fleet have sold out two dates at the forum in Kentish Town it's very impressive um that's before their debut album, what we're revi- what we are reviewing now, mm-hmm. uh, has even come out. That's four thousand six hundred tickets mm. for a band to sell, who only have thirteen songs in the public domain. That's eight from there from the Fires EP, which I personally think is fucking brilliant, and oh. five singles released from this record. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and people pronounce the second coming of Christ with the darkness sold out the Astoria before they were signed. You know. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not shitting on that achievement at all. No, uh, but the Astoria was a two thousand cap venue. Mm-hmm. They've Greta Van Fleet have sold four thousand six hundred tickets. Mm-hmm. You know, over double that. Admittedly, with major label backing, um, but they've done that before their debut album has even come out. So, to be honest, the saviors of rock music thing. I actually understand where that is coming from. Because we live in times where we're constantly told that the commercial viability of rock music is declining. Yep. And, but what is bugging me is when the rock press gets a bad... I'm not talking about you. I know you've just sort of done it in a joking way. And there there is a lot to be said about that connection, which we will inevitably get onto because we do need to. But what is kind of bugging me is when the rock press gets a band who have a serious chance of turning rock's fortunes around. I mean, this band could be doing Wembley by the end of this debut cycle. If they could have, if they could, they could, if they could sold out a Brixton Academy, which they could have done before they even released their debut album. Yeah. If that trajectory continues two years down the line, they could totally do Wembley Arena. Mm-hmm. They, well, if, I mean, I, if, if that trajectory yeah, I mean, continues, the, that there's a lot of ifs, there's a lot of, of ifs and buts in that. But that yeah, I, could I get, yeah, I, you know, I mean, fucking hell, how often does that happen? It's rare. I'm, I'm, I'm not, really I'm not rare. saying. I'm to, to be no, no, super no, clear. Course. I'm not saying it is going to happen. I'm saying it could, if everything goes well on this, it, it could happen. Mm-hmm. And what does the rock music press do when a band like this comes along that could actually 
you know, save rocks declining numbers. They just moan about how they sound like Led Zeppelin all the fucking time. Uh-huh. Now, Greta Van Fleet do sound a lot like Led Zeppelin. Let's not let's not beat around the bush. Um, yeah. Joshua, what's his face? Josh Kizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizakskizak
Zetman did at their most kind mm-hmm. of grandiose, maybe. Mm-hmm. I still think they're not quite they're they're within touching distance of it. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. And that's a very small facet of what Guns N' Roses do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean but with this, like, I've got to be honest, I mean his vo- you say he sounds like Robert Plant. I Robert Plant's voice doesn't annoy me. His voice an- immediately annoyed me. Does it? Immediately. And I think the first song on it, Age of Man, I just think is really bad. Oh, no way! I just think it's an awful way. It's one of my favourite songs. Really? On I think it, it's an yeah. awful way to start the record. I don't know why. The second track, Cold Wind, which, uh, I don't know, it's got, got a good riff and a little bit of more life to it and it feels like a better sort of yeah, opening yeah, yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. Even if he does ruin it by doing the Muppets like, right in the middle of it <laughs> for some fucking reason. Yeah. I don't know, mate. I don't really have much to say about this record because I'm aware that they are the saviors of rock and bloody bloody blah, and that this album is massive. But ultimately, I think Brave New World is the best song on the record. I, I I, yeah, I agree. A really, Brave really, New really World good is a song. really good song. Yeah. But I find it really, really difficult to get excited about something like this. Really? I just find it nigh on impossible to find any kind of enjoyment out of something which and it's not do you know what I mean like I could listen to every Ramones album yeah and get something out of it yeah and I could listen to every like I say you know there's nothing really again to kind of make the comparison with idols there is nothing original about idols they're they're influenced by Public Image Limited and The Clash and The Fall and Joy Division and they sound like McCluskey they sound sound like McCluskey exactly Um, if if all you ever want out of music is pure originality you're going to be listening to two records a year yeah and that's it yeah yeah yeah. so I get it but I just feel like that you know when I think about my personal taste of what I want from music I'm much more likely to stick on McCluskey than I am to stick on maybe not Led Zeppelin but something like Led Zeppelin sure I, think, I would rarely listen to someone like Guns N' Roses so yeah, for, yeah, for me yeah. for this it's like I have a finite amount of stuff that I want to listen to that sounds like this I have a very very sure, 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 small sure, sure. corridor of stuff and it basically is Zeppelin the first van, like three of the first four Van Halen albums uh, Guns N' Roses greatest hits mm. some Aerosmith Bon Scott era ACDC mm. Jimi Hendrix mm. Mm. and there's not a lot after that Do you know what I mean fair enough I think I think for me I feel like the quality of the songs of the majority of the songs that Greta Van Fleet have released so far um, are cl- it, the, the chance you know it's, it's not going to happen we know full well it's not going to happen if Led Zeppelin surprise released a record tomorrow and it was this record i think people would go fucking nuts for it you know better than me i i I honestly think they would go nuts for it and and i i am not a fan of um you know i'm not a fan of rival sons or wolf mother or you know kind of like three or whatever either and this kind of retro classic rock thing doesn't usually excite me all that much but i just think the quality of the songs on particularly from uh, so you know to say clearly i don't think anthems of the peaceful army the debut album is as good as from the fires which is basically their first two eps collected together i think that from start to finish is like 32 minutes long eight tracks and i think they're all like at least nine out of ten 
Like, they're all brilliant, brilliant songs, in my opinion. I think this album reaches levels of it, of that brilliance from time to time. I would say Brave New World is one of them. Yeah, I actually, song. I actually really, really like. Song. I really like Age of Man. Um, personally, um, I quite like Love a Lever, Take a Believer as well. Um, but I just feel like Greta Van Fleet do this with so much more class than any of those other bands. I think class is the thing that is missing from people who try to rip off Led Zeppelin, and I think the, there is a lot of class in Greta Van Fleet, especially when you consider that we're talking about twenty-one-year-olds. Yeah. I mean, that's why the music industry is getting fucking excited about them because they can, you know, bleed them dry for fucking years and years and years, I imagine. Um, but, you know, it, they are clearly But I'm not saying you're n- not saying they're as good as, you know, you, I'm not saying you're not saying they're better than Rival Sons or anything like that. But there's clearly something going on here if a band can sell out two days at, the Kentish Town Forum in London. Those are not the only UK shows they're doing either. They are doing a tour of the UK as well. So it's not like people have had to travel. You know, 4,600 tickets before their record's even out. Like, Mm. there is something happening, clearly. And they are, they clearly are better than, you know, Rival Sons and Cadillac 3 and stuff like that, who couldn't, what what would Rival Sons do? Coco, maybe? They got to a point where they, I think they got up to Brixton at one point. Did they? Fuck. I think they might have done, yeah. But that would have taken a lot of time and a lot Mm. of work and a lot of albums and Greta Van Fleet could do Brixton tomorrow and sell it out. Mm. So there's there's something... It's weird because I literally don't, I don't see it at all. Really? I just don't see it. I listened to this and I was like, it's another one of them bands, isn't it? I don't think... I'd be lying if I said that the album as a whole, I wanted it, I did want it to be slightly better because I thought From the Fires was absolutely fantastic. Um, But I also kind of think, I don't think it's a bad album personally. I think it's a pretty good record. And um, I also think this album could have been dog shit and it doesn't matter. (laughs) I think think they're actually at that stage, you know. I know, I I think it, I think they need they needed to do Do you think so? I think they, well, yeah, because, you know, (laughs) if they don't, I mean, when that shut everyone up, I didn't shut everyone up, but when the dark, when Permission to Land came out, that's another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When Permission to Land came out, that shut everyone up, didn't it? Mm. And I think if you're one of these bands, you need an album that's going to shut people up. And this hasn't shut, I don't feel like this has shut me up at all. Like, I don't, do you know what I mean? Not that I walk around going, oh no, they're not the future of rock. And then I don't care, like fucking, Crack on, lads. Like, do you know what I mean? It's not for me. I ain't going to fucking rambling, man. Am I like, do what you want? <laughs> I uh, think this is better than Permission to Land. Fuck off is yeah, it I better do. than Permission to Land. Yeah. That's bollocks. I, I I think it is. But then I'm not a massive fan of Permission to Land or The Darkness. But I, I prefer this to, to Permission to Land for the Sorry, reason. Man, that was a really, my, in, <laughs> my reaction to that was probably a bit much. To be honest, I was expecting that reaction. So it's fine. Yeah. But um, the reason I prefer it to Permission to Land is because of that thing that I talked about with classiness. Um, I appreciate the darkness aren't going for class, but in my classic rock, what I like, so the classic rock I listen to is Led Zeppelin and Boston and maybe early Deep Purple and stuff like that. There's a kind of, I don't know, I don't know a better word for it than class. Like there's just a class to it. And... 
the darkness weren't going for that thing. The darkness were going for a form of classic rock, which isn't my bag. And as a result, I, I, I'm not saying Permission to Land's a bad album. I'm not an idiot. Um, you know, Black Shark is fucking brilliant. And like yeah. some of those songs, I mean, I don't ever need to hear, I, uh, I believe in anything love. Love, like, ever again. <laughs> um, but, but, and I'm well, not I'm saying it on as soon as we finish. <laughs> I'm not even saying that Anthems of the Peaceful Army is a better record than Permission to Land. I'm just saying I prefer it. Okay. Because I mean, it, you did say it was. You did I? Was like, well, you said, I, mean, I think it's better, and I was like, well, you're. I mean, actually, think I. I think I. Well, I don't know. I'd, I'd need to live with it for a bit longer to honestly assess that. But mm. I, I definitely prefer it because it's because there's been a few. Um, publications like trying to compare them to the darkness and 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 whilst they're both retro classic rock bands they are totally different from one another yeah, i mean that's a stupid comparison they don't I, I got wrapped up in the whole thing with the darkness i still think i actually quite like the second album as well i think oh, really? really fucking great songs in that second wow. album. okay but uh but th- yeah this does literally does nothing for wow me at all. interesting okay wow very mixed responses yeah there. but you know like i say it's not for me at all I just yeah don't but then you have you are kind of admitting that this just isn't your yeah, cup of tea aren't yeah you? I don't, you know like and i i thought maybe i i thought i see this is the thing i always thought if one of them came along that were that good i'd be seduced by it because i think there are running wild by airborne the first yeah, airborne album yeah. i think it's amazing mm. you know like i say permission to land i think it's amazing mm. Um, they're prob- that is probably about it to be fair <laughs> but um, but there have been kind of precedents where you go well they ain't doing anything new but they're doing what they do so really fucking well yeah, yeah. that it's great I think like Black Spider's first album I know again yeah. like that's more of a chunky yeah but th- yeah. those bands feel like they've got a bit more um, they've got a bit more ACDC than just this like you say the, the, I guess what you're saying for classiness I think is just like boring Okay, no, yeah. fair enough. But I, um, I, like, in terms, if you want a band who rip off Led Zeppelin, I can't think of a band who have mm. done it better mm. than Greta Van Fleet ever. And Black Rose? I don't think... Like Amorica, Three Snakes, One Charm, that sort of era. I mean, to me, that is... That's an open and shut case from where I'm sitting. Mm. But, you know, Black Rose, again, would be one of the ones that I'd go... I know they always got tarred in more sort of originally with the Rolling Stones mm. and then sort of second oil to kind of Credence and Southern Rock and stuff. But there is a little period. Yeah, I think there's a the more kind of Southern. Mid- yeah, there's a little period in the, in the mid, in, from sort of 94 to about 98, where the Black Crows did go full kind of Hammond organ, um, you know, bluesy, Led Zeppelin-y. They did. And I think I would definitely, like, I'd take a Morica by the Black Crows over over this any I'm not like. saying I'm certainly not saying Amorica's a better record than this but I don't know if it's as Led Zeppelin-y as yeah maybe, well, I, maybe I think that's probably why because I think yeah. there's more to it than like to me yeah. you know the, the influence of Led Zeppelin I cannot think of any other influence of this other than Led Zeppelin uh, is there anything else other than Led Zeppelin there's a bit Zeppelin? of cream in it I think there's um, like yeah <laughs> really fucking stretching um, I mean, you know, like you don't have to sound like Skrillex, but no, no, they've. I, th- I do think I think they have listened to some of the criticisms because from the fires really does sound like you're digging up. Um, it does sound like you're digging up. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Led Zeppelin. Song, Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Led Zeppelin songs that were like unreleased right. or something like that, and like yeah. 
I think they have made an effort to attempt to steer away from um, the Led Zeppelin mm. ship. Yeah. Weird fucking analogy. Um, I don't think they're there yet, mm. um, but they they have at least started turning the wheel. What's it called? The wheel. Zeppelin around. <laughs> Anyway, uh, the future of rock, if they're playing Wembley, I mean, that might happen. It might, it might, it might happen. And it'll be a big deal. Shitter bands have played Wembley. Much shitter bands have played Wembley. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they have. You're quite right. So that's Greta Van Fleet, the debut album, Anthems of the Peaceful Army. It's out right now. Let's move on. Um, Tom Morello, the Atlas Underground. Tom Morello, the Rage Against Machine, Prophets of Rage, Bruce Springsteen, audio slave guitarist. One of the great guitarists. Okay. Of all time, for yeah, my yeah. money, for my personal here, right? uh, like uh, opinion, I think Tom Morello is one of the the great guitarists ever. Uh, agree this is his debut solo album. Feels weird though, doesn't it? Calling it a solo album when it's not th- when there's so much more than just Tom Morello on here. Well, this this is kind of Tom Morello's. Um, uh, it doesn't sound anything like either of these albums that I'm about to mention, mm. but it's a bit reminiscent of Slash's solo album. From exactly what I was going to say. Uh, and also Tony Iommi's uh, yep. Iommi from 2000, mm. um, in that there are guests on that, yeah. practically every song. Yeah. That's a great record, that Iommi record, mm. man. Um, like yeah, if you've never heard that Iomi record, check it out. It's fucking brilliant. It's got like skin on it and Philip Anselmo and yeah, oh, Rollins. Fucking brilliant. Rollins, yeah, fucking amazing. Anyway, um, so it's in that vein in yeah. terms of uh, there's a guest, and it feels like uh, the songs have been written in mind for the guests. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Although there are some surprises on there, aren't there? In my opinion, is there? sometimes. Go on in. Well. First time I heard this record, I decided not to look at the guests because I wanted to see if I could guess who the guests were. Yeah. Now, it turns out that... Um, <laughs> you not knowing anything about hip-hop. Yeah, exactly. Probably, probably <laughs> exactly. <was> like... <laughs> exactly. It turns out that that was a completely thankless task. Yeah. Uh, but fuck it, I did it anyway. Um, one thing I did not realise, I suppose the most surprising and most kind of noteworthy thing of, or the most newsworthy thing of this record is Marcus Mumford is on it. He is. Which is... Um, I mean, I am familiar with Mumford, Son, Mumford and Sons and I did not for a millisecond guess mm. that that was Marcus Mumford doing no, that I, song. No, I didn't know. It does, it does not sound like Tom Morello. Tom Morello has not gone, I'm going to do my spin on a Mumford and Sons track. No. I think there are times where he does take his guests and pushes them into a territory that maybe they are unfamiliar with and actually mm-hmm. i think most of the time it's done quite successfully i um, would agree yeah i would agree i yeah. i actually really i like this album yeah so do i <laughs> i really like I think it it's good well. i think it's got some it has got some classic tom morello riffing on it yes it's and some, some brilliant huge exciting guitar yeah. parts on it and which to me just proves that Tom Morello was still like, you know, when he's surrounded by prophets of rage, you are a bit kind of duddery. I think, mm. uh, he sounds a bit duddery with them, mm. but this to me is proof that when he's in the room with the right type of people, mm-hmm. he's still got that thing. Like, you know, it sounds like Tom Morello. who has got such a uniquely recognizable style and he does so many cool things. 
and um and this album's really really eclectic and really i did expect Very. it to be a bit of a plodathon to be perfectly honest i I, I, th- I thought this would be another night watchman record so the night yeah. watchman is his um is solo, his, uh, kind of solo bob dylan woody guthrie yeah. folk protest song thing uh, which yeah. is fine but doesn't isn't the most exciting thing in the world you know yeah but it's it's not, it's not so eclectic. i mean for it's me it's an edm album yeah the sweet spot for me is how long lucky one nation those three back to back yeah which yeah, goes yeah, from yeah. this really kind of punky like club banger with tim mckillrath from rise against yeah. them yeah. to this cool kind of mia style like like really kind of strutty banger to this mad kind of instrumental dubstep like they're all really really catchy mm. you can't fault the eclectic nature of them like none of them really sound like each other they're mm. all really different but all of them make you want to sort of dance in completely different ways I, it's it's actually it's very good this record it's it's much better than i expected it to be i don't i don't think it all works there are a few parts where yeah. well i don't know about all works i think it all works in is coherent enough but there are parts which which i'm not a fan of i think mm. it's track three which i can't remember the name That's of. featuring a rapper called portugal the man righto just in case you got him confused with oh you're portugal aren't you <laughs> yeah oh yeah i've been to lisbon no 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 you're thinking of someone else i'm portugal <laughs> the man all <laughs> oh, right um yeah as someone who i very much heard of beforehand um <laughs> yeah oh uh, you're portugal and you're the you're you're ronaldo the you're, you're the man. That's ronaldo's from you isn't he uh, <laughs> no no i'm portugal the man oh <laughs> silly me um uh, I, this is the whitest I've ever sounded in my life, I think. Um, which is fair enough, because I'm white. You are white. Uh, <laughs> but I think the... Um, it's got quite an R&B chorus, that song. Mm. And um, I think it works. I'm curious as to how many Tom Morello fans will like it. I don't think everyone will dislike that chorus at all, with no. Tom Morello fans. I, I, a lot of people are going to be like... Eh. I can't stand it. Um, but, you know, I, 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 I've seen, I mean, the reviews for this record, I had a look at a few others, and as you would imagine, they are enormously mixed. Yeah. Um, with some people saying that they, you know, think it's, like, really amazing, and some people saying that it really doesn't work. I think this does what a solo record is supposed to do, and that is venture into bold new areas that, said solo artist has not tried before uh-huh. whilst retaining what is so brilliant and special about that solo artist in the f- in the first place and to me that's what a solo album should do yep. and this does that it definitely undoubtedly does. Yep, definitely and does. you know you know how tom morello has talked about being um the dj in the band rather mm. than the guitarist that's the approach that he takes with the guitar yeah this record is the closest he has ever got to fully pulling that off i'm not saying he's not pulled it off before but but you can really hear him being the dj mm. with his guitar part w- with an actual dj in the band with him as well. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah ironically yeah, yeah but like that that approach is i think he does it extraordinarily well and once again he's wrenching sounds out of his guitar where i'm just like how the fuck do you do that you know I, yeah like i really like it it's mm. the first record i think it's the first record Am I right that this is the first time he's um, 
performed with female vocalists as well. There's a couple of female vocals on this record. I couldn't tell you. I mean, he hasn't in, in Ragent's Machine, and he, I don't think he did in Audio Slave either. No, I can't, uh, I can't I recall. I don't know. I can't recall any other times that he has. And I thought, I think there's two female tracks. There's Lucky One featuring Kay Flay. Again, super familiar with her work. Um, and I thought that worked really well. It's a really cool, like... It's almost a bit like that pink cellophane song on Saturday Night Wrist by Deftones, yeah. but much, 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 much better. <laughs> um, and there's also a brilliant um, f- uh, vocal from uh, Lee, Ke- Lee Kelly 47 at the end. It's the penultimate track, which is yeah. fucking great. It's really aggressive and punchy and punky and stuff. And it just made me think, I'd love to hear Tom work with more women. I think it works really well. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, I mean, the one thing I was thinking when I was listening to it, I mean, I, I, I don't feel like, as being the age I am and the things that I like, I don't know if I can go, oh, this sounds dated, or oh, this is really cutting edge. Like, I don't know, or whatever. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Mm. What I do know, and I think people get a bit too, oh, God, listen to it now, it sounds really dated. I know we mm. kind of, obviously you said that earlier about the grade record, but it, you sort of said it in, like, it sounds like, that's how it was back in those days. Yeah, yeah, not yeah, in a yeah. bad way. No, no, no. no I think no. some people will go, no, 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 that sounds dated now. Like, but, and I just think like, if songs are good, they're good. I think this is a trait, particularly with EDM though, because mm. EDM music is moving, uh, electronic dance music, in case you're, uh, you know, as white you. as me. Me, yeah. Um, I, because EDM is moving so quickly in terms of technology and like it's difficult to keep up with the trends and the movements and stuff. And so if something is five years out of date or 10 years out of date, people are like, oh, it's so old. But mm. it's like, I mean, we were just talking about Greta Van Fleet. Yeah, of course. Who, who, who uh, you know, I, I will... Deliberately even, retro sound. Yeah, exactly. So, and retro is like a, a, a four-letter word. Obviously, it's not a four-letter word, but it's a, it's a like swear word in, in um, the EDM culture, I think, mm. um, which I think is a bit silly um because i agree with you i think i like the first track does sound really dubstepy and yeah. you know for the little that i know about edm dubstep was massive 10 years ago now yeah probably, probably when did path of totality come out 2013 no uh, no sorry no it didn't that's a complete lie 2011 yeah okay so so dubstep was probably absolutely fucking massive like a year before that record came out or around the time of that record yeah. you know we're going back almost 10 years you yeah know. and that first track definitely has some dubstep-esque yeah, stuff for sure. on I think it. It's a fair old bit of dubstep. But you know, but it sounds good. So mm, fuck that's, it. That's what I think. And I think you know, like God, imagine those people who are in www.pitchshifter.com. Oh god, they yeah. go fucking yeah. mental. It's yeah. like, well, I don't care. Please, sir, is still an absolute fucking. Yeah, exactly. Ranger. I'm going to see Pitchshifter at the end of November, and I can't fucking wait. Yeah, me know. too. So anyway, so. that's uh, Tom Morello's The Atlas Underground, his debut record. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I, I totally agree. But definitely the biggest surprise of the week I yeah think. for sure well, well from, apart from smashing pumpkins being rubbish well <laughs> funny oh actually funny oh, you say that actually, yes no, I forgot you have inadvertently <laughs> walked into a trap all of your own making <laughs> shining norway is our next album the album is called animal it's the eighth album from the norwegian black jazz inventors yeah. with a twist just, this one just has none of their trademark saxophone on it now shining norway as opposed to the other shine, the Swedish shining. Yeah, to be clear, they're called Shining, but we yeah. have to say Shining Norway because there's also a band from yeah. Sweden who are called Shining. So they kind of perfected this um, 
borderline extreme metal um european jazz influenced sax heavy um kind of gothic noiry type music particularly on um the album black jazz mm-hmm. which i thought was really really interesting black jazz is brilliant really yep. great i didn't wasn't as keen on the last one uh, international black jazz society oh i really like that record which i think is yeah i think it was at the very least interesting yeah um but the sax the trademark sax of shining has been replaced uh, and what has it been replaced by Utterly rubbish songs. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, it's been replaced by synthesizers, hasn't it? And keyboards and uh, 80s retro nostalgia, which um, is not zeitgeisty in the slightest at the moment. Um, oh, sarcasm. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, I do not have an issue with bands changing their sound. I actually positively encourage it a lot of the time and i think bands have every fucking right to change their sound the only person who should be allowed to say whether a band should change their sound or not is the people in the band maybe the manager but even the manager should only have like a slight 10 percent inkling you know part in that so i'm certainly not saying um bands should never change their sound but what the Shining have done, uh, what Shining have done, is gone for this. I mean, it kind of sounds like Five Finger Death Punch meets Enter Shikari. Yeah, I was going to say there is a song on it which I've actually written down. It sounds like it's called My Church. Sounds like Five Finger Death Punch sung by Chester Bennington. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the title track sounds like something you'd hear on one of those dad top driving anthem compilations. <laughs> Um, there's a song called When the Lights Go Down which sounds like Michael oh. Bolton with the Scandinavian accent <laughs> um, you know how many of these do you have they're good they're, that's it oh. uh, I could be I gave up after a while <laughs> but I mean you're right bands should be allowed to do whatever it is whatever they the hell they do. want yeah. there seems to be quite a disorientating worrying trend in Scandinavia of bands I'm looking at you in flames obviously <laughs> of bands they are here with us today <laughs> yeah um, that that had basically invented a genre and done a bloody good job yeah. of keeping that genre interesting for a, yeah. for a, a big period of time, completely scrapping it. And in this case, in scrapping it for a bunch of reckless love style, Scandi radio metal, I, I quite <laughs> what the fuck they were thinking. Yeah. I don't know, I, but I, they need telling off for it, Remy. <laughs> and I'm going to do it. <laughs> okay. Should I leave you to tell them off? Or, or Well, this is just so poo. It's really terrible. Yeah. And it's one thing changing your sound. I mean, oh God, I've not even heard it, but I'm aware that the new Bullet for, like, we again, Bullet for Valentine are not a band that we cover on the show. They've got nothing to do with anything that I like <laughs> in any way, uh, either as, you know, as musicians or uh, as people. And um, Metal music is boring at the moment, though, isn't it, Matt Tuck? Well, yeah. It, well, yeah. If you put your album on it, is, mate. Uh, <laughs> but they, you know, they covered the Imagine Dragons song and they said, oh, we should be allowed to grow and build as... Um, you know, as artists, we should be allowed to experiment. We should be allowed to grow. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. But isn't it funny how the way that you grow an experiment is by just doing the thing that is 
really, really massive on American yeah. radio and rock, commercial. awful commercial. Mm. Is that really experiment? You, you as an artist, was it? You, you know, you're, you're, <laughs> you're like Roger Waters, aren't you? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. don't give me that shit about the fact mm. that we needed to change and develop, and we've, you know, we've we've broken the shackles of of heavy metal that was holding. And you've gone, you've just gone and made a shitty, ra- and that's what China have done. They've just gone, to me, it feels like they've gone, no one's buying this. No one's buying this weird sax music that we're making. Mm. Like, we, yeah, we did that. No one's buying it. No one's really interested in sort of odd, you know, Scandinavian, Swedish, extreme metal crossed with industrial metal with like saxophone and weird time signatures. Mm. Fuck it. Let's just make an album that sounds as as close to, I don't know, Godsmack on ikea as we can <laughs> possibly fucking make it. it it's absolutely shite this record do you think that this is purely a cynical commercial move then yeah i do i do i, th- I think it's a purely a cynical commercial move um and i think that is what makes it it's look i mean if it's shit if it's their debut album it would be shit like it's a shitload of shit like that's all it is it's rubbish like it's a rubbish that's record that's a quote for the poster yeah it's shit a shitload of shit it's a rubbish record uh, but what's so disappointing about it is that Suicide Silence album uh-huh. that got all the grief right uh-huh. that wasn't a sellout that wasn't no. a, a, a you know a commercially minded decision they just went a bit mental like do you know <laughs> what I mean and they made a weird record and I can I, I can deal with that. I can deal with a band going, fuck it, let's go crazy. Like when we talked about Entombed, same difference. You know, that only lasted yeah, for yeah, one yeah, album. Yeah, yeah. Might only last one album, this. But at least, you know, there's never any suggestion that Entombed thought making an, a post-noise rock style fucking uh, unsane album was going to get them like on the front cover of Smash Hits or anything. Whereas this is exactly that. It's like, let's ditch all the stuff that made us vaguely interesting in any way mm. and let's make like a horrible, cynical mm. cash-in. And I've got to be honest, not only do I think it's shit and I think everyone should know how shit it is, I truly, truly hope they fall flat on their fucking face with it. And well, I can't imagine anyone will give a fuck. I think they probably will because history tells us that when metal bands do try to do this, it hardly ever works, even when the quality is quite high. Yeah. Um, and I think the quality... I have to say, I don't hate this record the way that you do. You seem to... Is hate too strong a word? No, I think it is fucking abysmal. Okay. I don't hate it, uh, but I don't like it either. <laughs> so, so you know, just to, just to give them a little bit of a break... Um, uh, there, there isn't a single song that I like from beginning to end on this record. Um, no, there no, no, no. are bits that I quite like. Is there? There are bits, yeah. I'm trying to find them. There's a weird... I'll slag off the Smashing Pumpkins and then come here and tell me <laughs> you like bits of this. <laughs> <laughs> fucking All right. nervous. All right. I'm going to give you the two bits of the record that I was like, oh, that's quite interesting. Mainly just to prove that I have listened to the fucking thing, to be honest. There's this weird goth-esque synth interlude on Smash It Up, which made me go, oh, that's quite good. Oh, but that song is so terrible. 
Oh, as a song overall, yeah, it's shite. But that weird gothy bit was quite good. And the organ interlude on Everything Dies, I was like, eh, I like organs. Uh, but that's about it. They're so fleeting, <laughs> those bits that I like. Um, and I think it is a humongous misstep. I'm not going to be so bold as to say this is definitely a commercial move. Uh, I, I know you have, and, and that's fine. You're, you're entitled to that opinion. I, I, I'm completely... But just because I just think, surely, they invented a subgenre for fuck's sake. They're smarter than that. They're smart well, enough to know that this we, shit doesn't a, work. Yeah, right. Aren't they? No. Well, maybe Listen not. to... I mean, mate, the thing is, is I did this with Fox... We had this conversation about Foxing mm. when I was like, it feels like there's bits that are kind of quite zeitgeisty and then it feels like bits of... But I was never annoyed at Foxing for doing that because mm. there were mm. so much other things going on within the record yep. that I just felt like, well, there's a difference between ambition and cynicism. Yeah. And it's undoubted... For the Foxing records, undoubtedly experimental. Yeah, experimental and ambitious. Yes. Whereas this, to me, is cynical because there's nothing ambitious about it. There's nothing ambitious. There's nothing original. There's nothing interesting. There is just like, it feels like it has been sellotaped together using old parts of Asking Alexandria B-sides. It's <laughs> fucking crap. It's, uh, well, or, yeah, or neon tape, if neon tape even mm. exists. Um, this was um, produced by Sean Bevan, who should know better. Yeah. Uh, having worked with Marilyn Manson, Nine Inch Nails in a Perfect Circle. But the final mix was um, uh, constructed by, I'm, I'm told here, esteemed studio guru, Kane Chiroko, right. who I've not heard of. No, but the records that he has worked on previously are Five Finger Death Punch, Hailstorm, oh, and Papa Roach. So loads of crap, basically. Mm. Yes. Um, so uh, yeah I mean from that point of view I don't know oh I haven't even mentioned uh, the worst part of this record yet which I think is Hole in the Sky not a Black Sabbath cover <laughs> thank uh, god thank fuck for that um, but just a the most sickly syrupy power ballad that I've ever heard in my life it's it's just uh, it's horrible it's just horrible 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 yeah, it's, it's just horrible Disturbed with meatballs in their mouth, this sounds like. <laughs> Fucking rubbish. So anyway, that's Shining Norway with Animal. They uh, used to be really they fucking good. They used to be really good. They used to be fucking great. Um, so, you know. And who knows, like maybe... I don't even want them to go back to the black jazz thing. If they're bored of the black jazz thing, that is fair enough. Yeah. But 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 uh, feel free to experiment, but do something interesting. This is not experimental. This is not that's interesting. This is not yeah. experimental. It's not so, experimental. You know. Uh, I, yeah, crap. All right, final record of the week, and I'm pretty sure we're both going to say we should might as well just fucking say it how it is since it's been a pretty well for me it's been a fairly weak week. Um, me without you, untitled, the Philly emo punks seventh album. This came out a couple of weeks back. Yes, uh, they arrived at the back end of my interest in the emo movement. Their debut uh. was released in 2002. By that point, I was quite feeling cynical towards mm. anything tagged with mm -hmm. the emo brush hence much like uh taking back sunday and brand new mm -hmm. um i basically avoided this band yes uh, do you regret that decision i do regret that decision yes i do regret that decision silly me this has got so much more in common with braid with the movie life with mm -hmm. texas the reason with garrison mm -hmm. particularly mm -hmm. massive loads of garrison which i'll get to in a bit then it has Aiden or Silverstein. Oh, um, fuck yeah. Oh, like, God. this is not emo in 
the I guess what became emo. It's the emo that was. It's Revelation Records, fucking punk rock. Um, but it's also I, just just to add to that, it's also very much its own thing. I don't know another band in the world. I mean, just to, so I I am a Me Without You fan, and you you this is the first Me Without You record. It is heard, literally right? the first. I, I had seen that they were this band, and I didn't. I just didn't bother. Um, I mean, I was uh, for I've been listening to Me Without You for almost ten years, mm. and I've tried to define them in the past, and I've just given up. Because I'm actually doing this in a professional capacity at the moment, I tried to define this record because I must say all of their records sound quite different. Right. There's one which just sounds like Neutral Milk Hotel, but it's brilliant. Mm. Uh, and the best I came up with was Experimental Indie Post Art Hardcore. It's not a million years. A pretty, that's good. Yeah, it's, it's not good. far off, but that's, that's the most succinct way I can describe this record. So, Renfrey, you Hello. made a point last week of saying that you wanted to do this record. Yes. And I... I wouldn't say I poo-pooed it, nope. but um, I did say, well, can we hold it back for a week? Because Echo and the Bunnymen, obviously, I knew I was going to fucking spaff my nads off over fucked up. So I was like, <laughs> well, let, let's just wait. And I was a bit like, you know, whatever, man, whatever. Yeah. As soon as I pressed play, the opening song on 9.27am kicked me in the gut in a way, having just, because I was going in going, oh, they're a fucking emo band. They're one of those like late, you know, Johnny Come Lately, like Finch or something. They that kicked me in the gut in a way that those bands have never, never kicked done. anything yeah. before. Not even kicked a cam. And there has been <laughs> you, Lynn, you couldn't kick a cow. <laughs> and um and there is loads of grit on this record. Oh, there's yeah. loads of punk actual fucking punk rock. Yep. Like it's very nice and melodic and melancholic at many, many points throughout the album. Mm-hmm. And they're very, very good at that. They're re- like those songs are great. But it's when they take it up a notch that I am really, genuinely, very, very impressed by this band. Mm-hmm. Like, Wendy and Betsy. Wendy and Betsy. Fuck me. It, I mean, that is a punk rock song. And yeah. that is a, that's a throat ripper. The chorus on Another Head for Hydra, which yes. is such a lovely little nod, I hope, to Hydra Head Records, is a proper throat ripper. And even when they're not being hugely, outwardly, sonically aggressive... Like Dormouse size mm-hmm. is like the is 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 it's got the same darkness and threatening nature to it as like the cure. Yep. It's yep. fair play. And it has that wonderful romantic refrain, that song, um, Before the Day is Done, My Prince is Gonna Come, which I just love. There's some beautiful refrains on this yeah. on this album. King of Spain, Queen of Portugal. Yeah. Like Aaron Weiss is a You can leave me at any time. I love that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um Aaron Weiss is a fascinating vocalist. He kind of yo-yos between softly spoken, uh, the, a softly spoken word lilt and apoplectic screams, mm. basically. Um, although I should say that if screen vocals tend to put you off, you shouldn't be put off by this because they are done extremely tastefully and they're often, often like quite far back in the mix. So, you know, screaming isn't your thing. Don't, don't, you know, turn off or, or forward or whatever. Uh, because they're just sort of used as an extra texture in the background. Yeah. And his vocals are very archaic, deeply poetic, mm. um, and it's pretty unique. I can't really think of another vocalist who sounds like him, really. No, I think, like I said, it reminds me of Garrison, but they've got two, vo- but they had two yeah. vocalists. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I think that, you know, um, that is the kind of the. Uh, this is even more 
sort of grandiose definitely than, than garrison definitely but i think like uh, the album particularly be a criminal which is i uh, like was one of my sort of favorite albums from that era so i think it's a fucking stupidly brilliant record mm. again it's got a similar sort of thing where it can really clatter and it can really rage but it can also be super quiet and really like and really precise and this has got and this has got that as well um but like i say they've got two vocalists they've got one barker and one singer exactly uh, and he does all of it so yeah well what's i think what's interesting i mean this record was um kind of put together with the band sort of at loggerheads they'd actually kind of all moved um away from one another Mm. um and were writing uh individually for the first time i believe ever um and uh, i think there's always been a bit of a push and pull between because aaron vice doesn't like he says that he doesn't even listen to heavy music and he doesn't even like heavy music which is really interesting when i don't think Again, this is this is the interpretation of what heavy music is. I wouldn't say this is always a heavy album sonically, although sometimes it is, but it is heavy throughout in terms of themes and lyrical... Uh, I mean, the lyrical themes on this record are like mysticism, metamorphosis, mental illness, you know. Mm. To be honest, that's relatively standard fare for Me Without You. Yeah. Um, but then it's not standard by any other band's standards, you know. Um, but Aaron's lyrics are at once eloquent and cryptic. Um, mm. And I think that he... There was, a, there was a brilliant... I don't normally read from press releases, but I actually thought this press release was really very interesting in terms of trying to describe the record. Uh, in it, Vice says, I thought I was going to write a record about the rising political tide, but that didn't happen. Um, relationship, uh, relationship turmoil, including certain tensions within the band, were a more immediate catalyst for creativity as outside forces pushed Vice to look inwards and focus on the things he could change about himself. And then he says... Whenever I pointed a finger out there, I tried to pull it back and ask, what does this say about me that I'm having this reaction? He describes his attempts to go into greater depths of wherever I am and face what's there, however petty, incoherent or humiliating, and emerge with some reason for hope, a reason for joy regardless. To have that be the takeaway, to stare down my deepest misery and sickness and then find a positive resolution. That's at least part of what I'm going for. And I think that makes the album make a lot of sense. Yeah. I think this is a you know this is someone who's looking very deeply and darkly within himself and looking for the darkest parts of him and then trying to shine a light on them. Um and that's why this is just a constantly beautiful and evocative wonderful record, you know. It's not a Treyu. Um <laughs> like it's so far away from yeah. any of that kind of or even even you know even stuff like that you were mentioning about like um taking back Sunday. I like I I think taking back Sunday are okay actually I think they certainly done some pretty good stuff but they've never gone as deep as this no, 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 no. like the, 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 you know that's surface level crap yeah, I, I would never consider I mean I, I said brand new I said sort of taking back Sunday and brand new I brand new brand, brand new were wonderful but yeah you know. yeah I think th- th- this is much more in the brand new and it still it doesn't really remind me of brand new no, like no, I say no, they're, no. they're they're I don't think even though brand new are kind of uh, the best of those bands mm-hmm. um I still think they're not quite as good as the very, very best of the earlier bands. Personally. Really, Ooh, um, that's a tough one for me. But I, th- I, I think, I think, um, but I think this is much cl- like, you know, I don't want to say that they're better than brand new or anything, but I think they're they they definitely remind me more towards that 
that level of quality than they yeah. do like you know even taking back sunday who are fine yeah yeah, yeah sometimes yeah, yeah. at their at their best i think taking back sunday are great but they've released a lot of meh as well yeah. but um but uh yeah this is this is really intelligent very deep very you know it is very emotional and i mm. suppose that's that's where the word emo originally came from and mm. it's been tarnished by this kind of i don't know I don't even. Twats I don't. with bats and fucking <laughs> writing with lipstick on mirrors and stuff like. It's away. it's been tar it's been tarnished with something that is basically for children or teenagers. Yeah, I mean, I uh, yeah, but I, it probably was when it started. I mean, I don't really have a problem with it being for teenagers. I don't know. Sunnydale Real Estate feels very adult adult to me. The stuff that they're singing about and talking about and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, but they were. I mean, they were young. Though. They were still young though. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it, it, it I, felt I, like they I, were early twenty-year-olds talking about issues which mattered to early twenty-year-olds. You know, yeah, okay. I mean, as opposed to early twenty-year-olds talking about issues which mattered to thirteen-year-olds, which is fine. I'm not discounting thirteen-year-olds or or their feelings or their yeah, emotions so. or whatever. I, but I, I think those those albums were more abstract. Yes, 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 yes. I think that's a good. Yeah. I think that, 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 that by being more abstract, they resonate like, you know, Nirvana appealed to 13 year olds. Sure, sure. And sure. Kurt Cobain was abstract enough to, to sort of gloss over what those songs were really about. So they just kind of spoke to, you know, uh, something else mm. rather than your kind of your conscious mind. And I think emo, the early kind of emotional hardcore bands or emo bands or whatever you want to call them. I think they did that as well. Yeah, I, and I agree. I know what you mean. Whereas, when it became music that was so clearly about something, that was so clearly about yeah. I'm young and I've got problems. Yeah. When it became sort of when there was no curtain pulled across that, do you know what I mean? That's when it became all a bit like, all right, yeah, mate. Oh yeah, oh yeah, angst. Yeah, quote yeah. unquote angst. Well, it became very people. surface level as well, yeah. didn't it? And yeah, yeah, and yeah. going back to abstract, this is this me without you record is about as abstract as you can get. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really. Uh, it's one of those ones. It's it's the quote from the the Kerrang quote from Around the Fur, which I say all the time. The review of uh, of Around the Fur in Kerrang when it when that came out was that Chino Moreno sounds like a man where you don't know what he's talking about but you know that whatever he's talking about is really really important yeah. to him and that's the most important thing i think yeah. i think you know like that's i don't need when people what's this song about well you know <clears throat> it's about something it's none of your fucking business yeah i i i i you know i'm gonna have to sit down with, with genius.com at some point and actually find you know find out people's theories as to the lyric meanings and it mm. sounds like Aaron Weiss is not he's usually quite open about what the songs are about and it sounds like for this record it's so personal to him he's already kind of said I'm not going to do that mm. Um, mm. but I like that I think I like the fact that it's then becomes like a community thing of people getting on forums and trying to work out what they're about and they are so esoteric and so interesting, but like I say, it's so poetic. Like you want to discover what they're about. Yeah. Um, like a lot of poetry, you know. Yeah. I think a lot of these lyrics 
I think it's very, very rare that you could write out lyrics oh, yeah, and yeah. you and, and read them as poems and they would work as well. So I should let you finish saying it's very rare that you can write out lyrics. Oh yeah, isn't it? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> um, but uh, I think Aaron Vice is one of the few lyricists you can do that with. Nick Cave is another one. Mm. Um, I struggle beyond that. I mean, there, there will be other ones. I just can't think of them off the top of my head, but you know. I'm not going to chuck any in because I'd probably say like Toby Morse from H2O or something, <laughs> which I would like. Cause he's I'd say Morrissey, but, Morrissey. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, like there are very few. Mm. There are very few mm. that when you take the lyrics away from the melody, it still works. Um, Aaron Vice is absolutely one of them. So there you go. Untitled. So you, lo- you love this record, yeah? Yeah, mate, fair play. I ignored this band. I shouldn't have done. I think no. it's great. It's really great. Um, it's it, my album of the week. It's my album that works comfortably. I think if you yeah. put the other three albums together, I think you'd actually put in the other three albums together, having Shining in it actually lessens it rather than adds <laughs> to it. So if you put Tom Morello and Greta Van Fleet together, I still think this is yeah. the best record. Yeah. It's very, very good. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be careful about, because of last week, yeah, which I stand by. I, I have to, it, didn't you? I have to say, <laughs> I I absolutely stand by everything I said about fucked up last uh-huh. week. Uh-huh. It is fuck. It's still. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a fair, but maybe that's why I've been sort of like less keen on everything this week because I still just put that fucked up album on I've and spoke, go like, this I, is just so much better than everything else. I've spoken to a few people this week and they were like, oh, fucked up have kind of lost it, haven't they? I haven't really bothered checking out that record, and I've been like, no, no, no check it out and all of them came back to me and was like oh yeah i was wrong so yeah. fair play yeah, yeah um we were all wrong we were all idiots yeah but yeah, anyway yeah. that's got nothing to do with this me without you untitled is the best album of the week yes fuck for yeah. sure and 100%. if you're like steve and you don't know them and you want further listening i right. would recommend <laughs> if you're a fucking moron no no like no no Stephen no. Hill, the i idiot. can i can totally understand why you would have put them in with those bands and i i get that yeah. Um, Sorry. Uh, no, it's fine. You don't have to apologize. No, I know. I do. <laughs> <laughs> you um, don't have to apologize. But further listening, I would recommend uh, if you like dig this, I would go for Pale Horses, which is their previous record, and the rather brilliantly titled "It's All Crazy, It's All False, It's All a Dream, It's All Right." That's a cool name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, speak. You, you did there the dream, infinite dreams. I know, mate. Is the no, it's Infinite Games, mate. Games. But it's Fever Daydream. Fever Daydream. Oh, oh fucking You're not shit. the only one who trips over his words, are you? Yeah, no, I'm not. Um, anyway, you spoke to the Black Queen. I did. Uh, about their music. Yes, I did. Presumably. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we spoke about a lot of things. Yeah, Good. But yes, yes. All about right. About their music primarily. Is Renfrey in conversation with the Black Queen. Uh, welcome to this very special edition of Riot Act, where we are joined by two members of the Black Queen, Greg and Stephen. How the hell are you guys doing today? I'm doing real good, man. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting to get on your podcast for some time. Blood. Here I am. That's how Greg's going to talk for the whole interview, That's I hope. That's how I sound now. <laughs> And Stephen, like <laughs> that is a very good. That is a very good Michael Keaton uh, Beetlejuice impression. I'm all right. You're all right. Yeah, pretty good. Okay, cool. I, I'm kind of bummed they don't have ice to put in my coffee. No, there was there was a bit of an issue with coffee downstairs. I could have made, made the ice for him. I could have shown him how to do it. This is Nottingham. <laughs> There's like, only two ingredients. I don't. It's ice, cold and ice water. Is banned. Yeah. Ice, you know. Yeah, they banned it. Oh, that's, I just thought of the ice to never reference there. I don't know how I could have got that to in. Never that, any ice. Never any ice. ice. Yeah, that's that's right. <laughs> That's your third record title right there. (laughs) Um, Well, we should talk second record rather than third record because I'm assuming that hasn't been 
hasn't started work on yet. So you it's just already done. We have it. It's yeah. coming out next week. It's pretty good. Pre-order is <laughs> going up. Yep. And it's called No Ice in Nottingham or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never No Ice in Nottingham. Um, but your second record has just come out, Infinite Games. And um, first of all, I want to talk um, a lot about, like we've, we've spoken a lot in the past, yep. Greg. Uh, we did quite a bit of stuff on Fever Daydream. We talked a lot about lyrics and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I feel like this is an incredibly sensual record. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> No. Um, <laughs> are you really going to keep that up the whole interview? No, maybe. I, don't, I haven't decided yet. If there's well, going to be met, another character that enters in into this. We met him in New York. He was really interesting. Yeah. But it's a really sensual, like it's a sexy record. Yeah. Would you? Yeah, would you? Oh, just, would you would, say that? It's a little bit bed bedtime. Yeah, some strong bedtime vibes going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know, man. It's really tough to. Uh, you know, you don't you don't set out. I, at least I never have set out to, and we we have never set out to make a certain type of sounding record. So, you know, you just kind of write and hope that you're in a collective headspace or some type of that you're all in some state of uh, in in a similar place. Yeah, and um, that just tends, ends up being what the record sounds like. So I don't I don't know why this one is lighter or more nuanced or more abstract or more you know kind of murky and. Uh, and sensual, as you say, mm. um, but uh, yeah, it just turned out that way. Uh, I don't know. I, I find it me really melancholy, but it's sadder. I know it's interesting to talk to people because some people will be like, "This is a darker record than Fear of Adrian. And I'm like, oh, "That's interesting." Yeah, yeah, but I can't tell because when you've listened to something for two thousand times in mm. so many different you know states of being finished, by the time you get to the end, it's really difficult to uh, pry yourself away from the time and place that you are in at mm. that time so you, you know there's so much projection that happens on people when they watch a film or they listen to music there's a lot of their own life that they're projecting and when that music hits them it pulls something out of them and and it might pull different things out of different people depending on the place they're in like someone that's really happy might be like oh you know the black queen i'm going to their show to to dance yeah you know and yeah. someone that's kind of going through some shit and is depressed might be like man i you know i, I listen to them and, and cry or someone else might be like you know um I'm I'm ready to get my groove on. You know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's essential, man. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> a little birdie told me, and the little birdie who may even be in this room told me um, about the way that you uh, approached the performance of yes. the vocal takes with sort of whispering in a in a in a lady's ear. Shall well, we say. yeah. To me, I feel like a lot of the vocals um, in my when I was recording them, this there this is the, the lightest I've ever sang and yes, uh, the most nuanced I've ever sang, and that was to me a direct um, response to having just come off of a Dillinger Escape Plan cycle, yeah. where that you know the last time we wrote a record, we were sort of in between cycles and we did it little bit by little so it wasn't reacting as much against something directly before it so for me this was a direct reaction to screaming and, yeah. and singing even if you know light singing in dillinger is still me having to sing over top of cymbals and you know distorted guitars so my my zero in dillinger is like my seven in in this you yeah. know so uh yeah. this to me became like okay if that last dillinger record was me pushing my 10 as far as i could go like if you listen to the end of limerent death that's about as out far out in that direction as you can yeah. go. So I'm yeah. like, I, the only thing for me now to do is to try to create 
dynamic range and emotional range on the other end of the spectrum, mm. which means resetting your zero yeah. and seeing how, you know, how detailed, how light, how intimate, how, you know, and not just vocally technique wise, but emotionally too. And uh, so sometimes when I was, a lot of times when I was tracking the vocals, especially the really light ones, I would imagine that, you know, what's the volume level that I would be at if I was in like a crowded room and like needed to like whisper something into someone's ear, but I'm like singing in their ear to kind of, yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. Th- and I don't want anyone else to hear it. Yeah. And that was like, you know, kind of the, the, the thing I would try to imagine if I close my eyes instead of singing into a microphone would be like, if I'm just singing into someone's ear or something. I love that. And I really get that vibe on, uh, my favorite track on the record is porcelain veins. It's a bit of a weird one, I guess, because it's just a short sort of two and a half minute, yep. uh, thing at the end, but, and it's very simple, but very stark, but I really love that song so much, but I understand the demo was very different. Uh, do you Which recall demo? that? Uh, yeah, there's, there's like <laughs> six different versions of the song. Okay. The, um, the original demo, I just, I made, I, I was doing a thing where I did a song a day and that was one of the songs a day for a wow. month. I do, for, I do, for, I try to do that once a year if I can. Not specifically for TBQ, just, 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 to, just to do it. As a because, project, yeah. Because if you don't, I feel like if you keep working on the same thing, it ends up being, it just, I don't know, after doing the first record, it was like so tiresome to be working on a song for a thousand hours sure, or something. Sure, sure. And then a lot of the best things came right away, you know, you know really quickly. So that's more of a thing I like to do is just to kind of get like it out. And it brings you out. It like forces you to just like wring everything out. Yeah, we, we tried so many times to retool Porcelain Veins that we, the simplest thing ended up being the best thing, which was the, what you hear on the record. We had so many tricked out versions, all kinds of different tempos. Crazy yeah, crazy drums, drums different tempos, sections. Yeah. And yeah, it was just the, that ended up being the 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 best one and it was the last thing yeah and it was interestingly the enough it was that's the earliest song that we have i mean that was oh, one really? of the first fever daydream demos yeah like, yeah that was oh, around really? from so the time of maybe we should which is the first song we completed it was 2011 it was that time I so think. late 2011 that was one of the first ones and it was the last thing we finished for infinite games i mean i'm talking like a few days before we wrapped up the record yeah and it's and it's cool because we we kept it as simple as possible and it's it's a, actually it's like a what, cassette four track Recording, right? Oh, is it? Sina, kind of like the idea was to kind of do like a what Bruce Springsteen, Nebraska. If you're like, if you were to record it in just like your bedroom or, or like something, Smith or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. To not have it sound, you know, pres- as pristine. Because it's say. surrounded by so much tricked out production that I feel like yeah. a song like that, like to just you know basically suck everything away from it and and make it as simple and intimate as possible ended up being the approach. But it took us having to find you know finish all the other songs to be able to see that that was the approach. You know, sometimes when you're just trying to work on a song by itself, you're working it's in a void and you're trying to make that song everything yeah. instead of being like, oh, how, what's, how, where is this going to fit on the record? Like, what's the point? What's, what can this song's purpose be on the record? Yeah, that was more important than just going, oh, yeah, we, we, we want that to be a single or right, something. Right, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. We wanted it to just have its spot on the record. Just like the track listing took a long time as well, the whole record, to get it right. And that's that delineated kind of where porcelain sat too and that's why we don't care about like oh there's no third chorus and you know even the mm-hmm. song before that 100 to zero it's like mm-hmm. to me like you don't need to try to make every song a single um in in terms of structure when you're thinking in terms of an entire record which i feel like this album plays at really nicely as an entire record then you can do things like make a track only two minutes long and you know, have another one be seven minutes long, and it doesn't really matter because it's it's the it's the A to the Z. Yeah, of the I, album. I think a lot of people that have been listening to it have been fans of the whole thing. Whereas, yes. as opposed to maybe Fever, a lot of people would make a playlist and grab a few songs from mm-hmm. it that they really like. This mm-hmm. is more of a 
let me sit down and kind of take it in. Right. Well, going back to that track listing thing, why was it so tough for these? Because I agree with you both in terms of this is definitely more of an album than I, I, th- I thought Fever Daydream was fairly album-esque, but I see exactly what you mean. You can pick out bits and just put them on a playlist. And right. this uh, with Infinite Games, it doesn't work as well just picking bits out right. of it. You do need to listen to it as a whole. So why was it so tricky to get the, uh, the, the order of the tracks correct? Because we were trying to force one thing to be the first track for so long, I yeah. think. Can and we were like, this is the was? first track. This is the first track. And then I, just, I think one day I retooled well, no, it. You know what we did? What did, what did we, we cut off um, Even Still I Want To. Was, oh, it used to be the ending to another to the song. the end of another right. song. And then okay. we cut that off. And, and it was suddenly like, oh, my God, let's open the record with this. And then once we did that, it was like just everything fell into place. You okay, know? Yeah, cool. that kind of set the, the mood for the whole record as well. You know what I mean? Because that ended up even still was going to be halfway through, I think. Ah. Almost yeah. like an interlude kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, and it wasn't, it, we just couldn't, it just didn't seem like, because you know, you're basically making a puzzle with a bunch of pieces and you, you really don't even know what the end picture is supposed to look like. At least when you make a puzzle in real life, you know, like, oh, this is going to be, you know, the, the Coliseum, and you know, yeah. and then you know what you're going for. But this is like someone just you get a bunch of puzzle pieces and you have no idea what the end result yeah. is going to be. So uh, with with that, like the second we got that in the first slot, then it all started to make sense. And and yeah, I feel like it thematically changed the tonality of the record. The whole record started to feel like it was pretty instant that we were like, yeah. yeah and then there it. was more ex- experimenting going on after that, too. It felt less like caged in with with structure. Like, okay, well, hey, I want to go in a weird noise it freed us odyssey up. for the end of this song. Why not? Yep. Let's go do it. Who cares about trying to make it a three and a half minute song? And mm-hmm. I feel like that song plays nice coming out of Apocalypse, too, if you were to play the albums in like, sequence. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. End of Apocalypse is like this the big explosion, and then that's like the fallout rain, you know, even still is like, the, yeah. You know. mm-hmm. It's a beautifully ambient way to open the record. Certainly. Even like, the opening lyrics, I felt like this is so impactful. How yeah. can we open the record more? It, we can't. You know, it wouldn't make sense to come in with a big kick drum and snare and like mm. it, I felt like that had, had so much more weight to it those lyrics as well I, I don't want to go into it if it's too personal or anything like that but like they feel like I mean it feels like the breakup of mm. something uh, what do you want to say about that I mean all my lyrics are pretty much about relationships or okay. autobiography in some way and it doesn't mean that I'm sitting down and thinking about a person but I mean uh, mm. y- you know you you have um I don't know, experiences in your life and relationships in your life that kind of, you know, for me at least drive a lot of my output. And um, I, I, I just write free form and what comes out comes out. And some of that I can be like, oh yeah, this is definitely to a person or this is definitely um, to a situation or, or it's multiple people that I've been in this same situation with, you know? And um, because, you know, you tend to repeat yourself or go into, you know, loops or habits of, yeah of relationships with people and find yourself in the same sort of situations. And uh, so for me, it's just, you know, yeah, obviously there are people that could read those lyrics and be like, this is about me. And uh, I I don't know. (laughs) I don't want to get like, I will say though, that people that are looking for um, Dillinger escape plan, breakup lyrics are not getting them. Oh, I'm, I'm, I wasn't suggesting that. Okay. Right. I was not suggesting that. Yeah. Because a lot of people are like, Oh, this, you know, this is the dealing with the breakup. I mean, it's like, it's really not at all. No, like, you know, no, people no, always no, do no. that every time. And it's mm, sometimes mm-hmm. like, 
yeah, I don't really want to step in and say that they're wrong because I just, it's just their point. People are going to run in whatever direction they're going to run in. But like even on like on any record I've ever done, people read into it. I see, you know, if, that's why I try not. Another reason I try not to read comments is because mm. if someone's way off base about something, I'm like, no, you know what I mean? That's not, that's not, that's not it at all. I remember, but whatever, you know, you know that first Foo Fighters record, like all the lyrics are nonsense because Dave Grohl was so determined because he just didn't want anyone to read into like. Uh, it being about Kurt Cobain right. in any way, like, um, but I, but everyone still tried to do that anyway. Right. You know, like I think, well, but I mean that well, that wasn't my suggestion. It was no, it but was, look, man. I mean, I have a, I express myself more through um, art and lyrics emotionally than I do in my real life. Pretty yeah, much, yeah. you know, it's kind of that's my way of being intimate and and being vulnerable is through art and being expressive and being emotional. So. Uh, there is a lot of stuff in the writing that um, might come through that w that wasn't said to someone or should have been said to someone, yeah, or, you know. Yeah. And uh, it is what it is. It's know? easier to do it through song than it is to someone in real life. But yeah, sometimes. it becomes easier for you in real life after you do it through song. For me, because it's okay. very difficult. You know, it's all very difficult. Vulnerability and intimacy is difficult. And uh, I feel like if I can do it, you know, in a song, it's a little bit safer. Yep. And then maybe it'll help translate. And when I see that that wasn't the end of the world and I see how people relate to that, mm. then it's it's like being, you know, viciously pissed off in mm. Dillinger. Like, mm. I can't be that viciously upset in my real life, you know. But if I get that out of me, then it's, you know, people relate to that because that's how someone else might feel. And yeah. Someone might read those lyrics or hear it hear it in my voice and, and, and say, like, I feel this way. Not necessarily just I wonder who this is about, but, like, yeah. I feel this way. And that's important to me. You know? We spoke a lot about vulnerability last time we talked to yep. TBQ because uh, the last time we spoke about this band specifically, uh, it was just before your second show. Right. I in remember. Th this band. Yeah. And uh, I remember you were really, I mean, you were really nervous, man. Yes. You yep. were really fucking nervous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I think because th what you said to me at that point was you were so used to but well, basically, you're so used to screaming at people, right. and, and this is, you know, this is a far more intimate, personal kind of singing yeah. to people is a far more intimate to oh, you. Oh, absolutely, than yeah. It's a lot more. It's a lot hard. More. It's a lot scarier to say I love you to someone than it is to say get the fuck away from me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that's actually you know very easy to do. Um, and uh, in in that band, it's like you can have you can control a room very quickly by being the craziest person in the room. You yeah. know, and. Uh, it's not hard for me to, to be that. So like it, it was really, it became a defense mechanism over time yeah. that I w was pushing against too, you know? Yeah. So like, I think this band for me in a lot of ways was, was me pushing against the thing that I had actually create even created. And, you know, a lot of the things that started to drive me in Dillinger was the frustration of being the thing. You know, it's like you're frustrated at yourself now yeah. at this point, you know, you're like, you're like, I wish I could break, out of feeling this way and then you're pissed about that and it just reinforces it in this loop you know but um but yeah going on stage and and singing in front of people and in a way that's you know to go from being like oh i'm gonna be the most over-the-top crazy person to being like i'm actually gonna be way more vulnerable than most singers even are it's like wide as you could possibly go so like all the people that were coming from dillinger I was like, not only are they going to accept that, but it was about me. Like, I, I didn't know how to be. I felt like I didn't have skin. Mm. You know, you go from, like, having spiked armor to, like, not even having skin on. Mm. And that's mm. fucking horrifying. Man, so. so we're talking about two years on now, maybe two and a half years on. How do you feel about it now? Like, is it is it um, is it easier now? Like, you've done, you know, a, a, 
I'm guessing 50, 60 shows with the Black Queen now. I mean, musically, it's easy. Emotionally, it's still difficult. You know, I mean, I swing back and forth in life from, you know, wanting to be uh, open and intimate to wanting everyone to get the fuck away from me. And uh, so like, I feel like that's a constant struggle that I have in, 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 as a person. So uh, being on stage is still, you know, going out and being on stage is still difficult. It's not it's not musical. Like, I'm not worried about whether we're going to sound good or I'm going to sing well or anything <laughs> like that. It's it's more just the the um the vulnerability intimacy fragility aspect that uh still takes it's still it's a daily struggle man you know do you steve do you notice have you noticed uh this might be a a little bit of a strange question but have you noticed uh sort of greg opening up more and being more vulnerable as this band has gone on yeah and i mean i think all of us are getting a little bit better with playing too i think that helps a lot because we've spent so much time in the studio like hour wise studio time versus playing time live in front of an audience that kind of you can i don't know the there's like uh the last few shows have been really good because we kind of would lose ourselves a bit more as opposed to just paying attention to what's happening in the room so much like, is this working? Is this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Do we sound good? Blah, blah, blah. That, that stuff is starting to melt away. Yeah, I have my eyes closed most of the yeah, sets, and honestly. It's, yeah, and it's a, lot, it's a lot more natural now, I yeah. think, because it was just uh, getting it up and running, I think, was really the hardest part. Like, just trying to, to have the show work, and then you can be vulnerable. You know what and I mean? And then the more time you spend with your bandmates, and, yeah, the, yeah. and the more that you've played together and hung out together and spent time together, the more that you feel like you have a... Um, that you at least have people around you to, that are like, course, yeah. you know, holding you, holding it down. And you guys were, were living together as well. Are yeah, you still yeah, living we, together? We, no, but okay. we see each other. We live down the street from yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah. But okay. there, there's almost like a, the, the finish each other's sentences kind of thing that happens when you hang out with someone long enough and you're around them. And that gives you confidence on stage. Yeah, like, and on yeah, stage we know like, oh, okay, you're going to go over here now. I know that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm going to go over here. You know, yeah. It's just you're an organism. You're one thing now instead of it just feeling like you're just you alone. Or something you feel like, like I said, it's like going into battle with people that, that are that. You it's know like you a Voltron, out. you know what I mean? Yeah, you gotta, yeah. yeah, you need you need all the parts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can't even missing the one. It's a well, le- f- the leg isn't. You're not gonna be able to walk. <laughs> you know you feel mean? like a gang rather than an individual, don't you? And I think all yeah, the best bands feel like a gang. Yeah, way, I think that's know? all the best music is is bands. It's not really yeah. solo. I don't think solo artists really exist. There's so many other people around them. Totally. That helped get the thing created that might have their name on the thing, but right. I think like bands are the biggest because of all the different personalities. Mm. You know what I mean? There's what Metallica. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So because the the music is created in such a um uh sort of enclosed space, I know Fever Daydream was written basically you, the well, I think you described it as a roach infested warehouse that you guys yeah, rented were, out last time. It's horrible. There's there 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 were like the gigantic Kind human of turds outside. Ger- yeah, <laughs> yeah. Human turd in the in the in on like on the street. You walk outside. There's bums everywhere. It's just dirty. I don't know. Yeah, really I mean strange. that building got condemned shortly after we moved out of. Is it. that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone got it's, kicked out. It's gone now. It's just there. It's just an empty building. It's I, there must be five gazillion roaches in there by now. Yeah, it was horrible. In but, the uh, summer, they would just crawl out of the wall. You can't yep. do anything about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you so you had a different space for Infinite Games. Well, yeah, yes, we surely. moved into an actual <laughs> studio. Never again. We moved Never into again. an actual studio okay. at like the end of 2017. Did that create a different uh, experience, a different vibe? Yeah, because we were working almost every day at that point, uh-huh. which is good. I, th- I think you lose a lot of momentum, even if you lose a day or two of working on something creatively. Yeah. 
because you just you go what where were we again right. you spend a whole afternoon trying to figure out how to fix where something. you left off or oh, why isn't this thing working anymore or how come that keyboard was working last time what's going on with it now like when you have it all set up and you can be loud at any time that's the other thing it's like we don't have to stop because it's not a residence we uh, can run right. a chainsaw at two in the morning yeah I did, I did all the guitar stuff on the record at three in the morning every yep. every night and we I would work until just, the sun came up yeah josh would come in he Two would hours come in, later. Yeah, yeah you know, he would come in when we were going to bed, nine, and then we'd like, come back later, and it just kind of a full 24-hour yeah. period. It helps to stay in it, you know? And yeah. then you go into tangents, like a lot of the experimental stuff on this record you can do when you have time and space to let your creativity expand into more detail instead of just being like, hey, what song was that we were working on? Okay, we got to work on that, this thing. You know, it's like... Fever Daydream was like, here's one, and then a couple months later, here's another one. Yeah, a couple months. Later. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really interesting to me. I love studio stuff and reading about just how records are recorded and things like that. And a lot of the really good, interesting records that happened over the years had to do with people having blocked out time in a studio and just working every day, and just you know what I mean, just recording whatever. And it then changes that, your brain. Yeah, and then you don't, and you don't have access to the outside world as much, which I think mm-hmm. helps. You're yep. kind of just mm-hmm. creating in this weird vacuum. I don't know, like uh, trying to think. Like, yeah, just ideas just flow out easier because you're not paying attention to YouTube and Mm -hmm. things like that. When you start paying attention to that, then you second guess yourself a lot. Well, they're distractions as well. Well, they're distractions, but you'll start to say, oh, is this, does this sound good or blah, 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 blah. If you Mm. just keep working at it, then by the end of it, you go, wow, we're done. Mm. (laughs) And every single thing that you input or or think of is related to the record. Like Mm. you're constantly, you're in it so much that any idea you have is, is in that. It's not like it's a month later and you're like, you know, you're you're in a whole different routine. Like mm. the second you wake, you feel like it's you know you're, it's militant. Like the second you wake up to the second you go. To yeah, bed, that's that's why this record sounds like record. Co- yeah. very cohesive mm. to me. And right. there's all kinds of recontextualized sounds and and scapes and things like that yep. throughout the record. If you pay attention, if you listen to it a hundred times, you'll you'll it, probably still hear. Oh wow, that's oh, okay. I know where that uh, that's from. This other thing or whatever. Yeah. It's really important. It feels like that's a vital part of the Black Queen experience. I remember, again, going back to that interview, discussing almost little sort of Easter eggs, which only the three of you would right. know about within Fever Daydream. Yep. There's tons on this. Is yep. there still it's, loads in this? Right, okay. I mean, the idea, I don't even know what how to describe that type of art, but it'd be like Josh can make something, and then I take what he makes and do it, make my own version of it, and then he'll take what I recorded and make his own version of it. So it's like almost I'm playing keyboard parts on guitar, and he's playing guitar parts on keyboard. It's really strange. Right, 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 okay. Which, I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah. I also think, too, that uh, you know, one of the things that like um, is really important is that we do almost everything. We yeah. were talking about this the other day. Like, I feel like it's one of the things that makes a, a band or our band have a feel is that we do literally everything. Yeah, music videos, things like that. Uh, the visuals live, you'll see them tonight. We finally have a giant enough screen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's huge. But we we'll, made all we'll, film, we'll film all that stuff at home or figure out how to do it as opposed to hire somebody. And then it has our stamp on it. None of the sounds are taken from uh, sound banks or anything like that. No, you're not like going to go to like... Factory preset six. No, yep. all yep. all our stuff is homebrewed unless we wanted something on purpose. Like, oh, we want to use yep. you know this eight oh eight thing for right. for one for one part or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. It's very on. Everything's on purpose. There's a there's a reason behind. You it. want the record to have a sonic fingerprint that doesn't mm-hmm. feel like something else. You know, you want it to sound like your record, and uh, the only way to do that is to create 
the sounds or mutilate sounds to the degree that no one's ever heard them sound like that before. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the difference between us and a lot of newer bands that are electronic because I can hear whatever. Oh, that's preset, whatever. And it it drives me nuts. Mm. And then people go, you, oh, you guys sound like this thing. And it's like, no, we don't. We Mm. spend time to actually, you know, we care about what we're doing. That's just kind of like. I don't know. That's really lazy to me and uninteresting. <laughs> I wasn't sure whether to ask this, but you sort of half brought it up anyway. I don't want to put the Black Queen in with um, this synth wave thing, but right. there is undoubtedly a synth wave thing happening right now. There is. Yeah, I'm there talking is. I just don't, I'm just saying. I don't think we we sound I, more I, like an alternative band yeah, uh, than mm. than like a, a synth wavey kind. And of I think especially if thing. you see us live, it's a lot yes. different. It makes more sense. I think definitely live. So I, I, you know, I'm talking about the Carpenter Brutes and the Perturbators, blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's that's kind of what I'm. And I've I've seen Perturbator live. I've seen Carpenter Carpenter Brute live, and that stuff is cool. But um, it is when you see the Black Queen live, it is live. We don't have know? a laptop on stage. Yes, yes, you know? exactly. Yes. Um, well, it's. Th- I mean, that, I, I'm not well, trying to get you to diss those well, bands. A, or anything, no, but it's, yeah, it's a different. It's a different style. Yeah, it's a different style. It's borrowing a lot from you know just old nostalgia. It's and, the, it's and the it's, drive. It's, it's the drive movie that just it won't stop won't now. Stop it going, just keeps yeah. going. It's, it's, just, I mean? it's just very kitschy to me, which I don't. I'm not a big fan of. It's like kind of Urban Outfitters. You know, I don't know. It's just not my thing. I like. Is it? Do Do you find that people? put you in with those bands and is that irritating though? I, well, I do just think don't know any better. Thing. I think most people's <laughs> reference points are really narrow, right? Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. uh, you and you can't be mad at a listener for that. They just sure. listen to what they listen to and then someone goes, oh, you guys sound like Depeche Mode or you guys sound like Nine Inch Nails. It's like, I understand that that's yeah. the only band you've ever heard that has a drum <laughs> machine, you know, that doesn't have a drummer on stage. So that's your go-to, you know? And there are elements and like, of both, yeah, you know, but, but, uh, but there's more. So people, you know, I think people will grab the nearest, biggest reference they can. To, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to get you to to say that that's right, you know? And for a lot of people, the synth wave thing is, uh, like you said, it is very prominent. Um, but it's like, look, we don't, we're not, you know, we don't have songs called like Knight Rider 67, Knight Rider <laughs> what 86, was the, the one? Time Lord, Time Lord 1986, you know? Like, I don't know, like, we're not like, <laughs> I don't know. There's a little bit. We just write ZX Spectrum. Yeah, we yeah. just write what we write. You know, we, we could very easily do. We have, I, we have more of an R&B influence. That's than the other thing. Is which we drives have a me nuts. R&B Everyone's influence. like, oh, it's synthwave, and I'm like, I don't see it other than there's maybe a, a couple ton of, of parts. ambient influence. Yes, you know, yes. there's you know, and like I said, when you hear a song like Porcelain Veins, yes. the way that was approached has zero to do with you know any electronic element. Well, yeah. like you know, okay, so, like yeah. Ice to Never Everyone because they hear the intro and they think, oh, it's like Stranger Things or something, and it's like, mm-hmm. no, to me, it's like mm-hmm. Shaka Khan. Yeah. But I, it's so mm-hmm. weird that like that our reference is completely different than yeah. theirs. I think the R and B thing is really interesting and something that isn't picked up on loads. Um, I know that like uh, there's this phrase boner jams. Uh, you're big into your boner jams, right, Greg? Like, in, and what you mean by that is kind of like uh, yeah. like <laughs> 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 we're talking. I'm talking pony. Uh, I'm talking yeah, yeah, like okay. like the the sweet R and B. You know, we're going back to the sensual, sexy stuff that I was talking. I mean, about. look, man, we were listening to the, to the Delphonics and the Stylistics last night in yeah. in in the uh, backstage. Um, you know, I, I love a lot of R and B. One of the biggest influences for me is a record by Maxwell called Embrya, okay. which was a really abstract, weird record that got slept on at the time, and it's a massive. It's absolutely. It's the reason I even sing falsetto is that record. Right. Um, what year is it? I and, don't know. Uh, it was like 1998. Not, not, yeah, it's like, like a not, yeah 20, and, uh, 20 years old. But I mean, yeah, like there's, 
a ton of that influence but the issue is that like a lot of people that listen to rock music don't listen to that music yeah, yeah, yeah. so they don't even have that reference yeah. Yeah. they would never even think about you know a d'angelo they would never even think about yeah. you know donny hathaway they would never even think about jodeci they would never think about any of that stuff you know that's like something that's so off the radar they would think about it um, yeah i mean there's like sade and there's like sade Huge influence sade there's even like influence. seal influence yeah. there's like trevor horn yeah. influence mm -hmm. in production there's jimmy jam influence in the in the production so we we collectively listen to uh, uh, i mean we, we have the me. weirdest overlap i think between the three of us because i can't find anyone else that'll be like hey let's put on old janet jackson and then we or then we can put on like death yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like we could easily write a song with doom guitars that has r&b vocals and that's yeah. not weird to you or no, I. No, no. I mean, and then other people are like, "That's so weird." And I'm like, "That's well." Even that's like so somebody, I saw somebody weird. comment the other day, like the end of Apocalypse. They're like, "This sounds like typo negative." And yeah. it's like one of my favorite bands. I can totally ever. see that. Actually, oh, a lot of my guitar stuff is kind of yeah. You yeah, know, he's a massive had, typo. Yeah, we massive typo. But massive. it's but it's just weird because people wouldn't think that. Most people don't pick up on it. They're just. But that's what I'm saying. The synth wave guys might not listen to typo or yeah, you know what yeah, that yeah. is. Right. You know what I mean. No, but that sort of wash of guitar kind of thing. Mm -hmm. and, or My uh, Bloody Valentine or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 100%. Um, um, we, don't have to, we don't have to talk Boner Jams if you don't. You, you look slightly pissed off. I don't off. know. I'm <laughs> unfamiliar with the term, honestly. Like, really? You're talking about like genuine punk. Oh, yeah, I'm talking genuine. Like, I'm talking I mean, I don't care about genuine. <laughs> oh, like, do you know? Uh, no. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, I, don't, I just like what I like, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. not like I'm some, uh, I'm like one big genre. I'm not a genre fan. Yeah, I don't really care about any genre. And that's why, you know, the whole metal thing was so frustrating. Reasons. I just don't care. I don't know anything about it. I haven't heard, you know, I don't know. Like, I like the new, the newer Power Trip record. And, like, mm -hmm. I'm going to check out the High on Fire record. And, like, you know, I don't know. It's, but, like, I don't hear that much of it, man. <laughs> like, that much metal. And, like, so when people are always trying to, like, reference things that are from that world, I'm like, I don't yeah. even know what you're talking about. Yeah. And you obviously don't know what I'm thinking because we're, you know, back here, like, listening to Janet Jackson and Brian Eno and <laughs> Sunno and shit, like all these things that are like so far apart, you yeah, know, that people yeah. don't place them. And, uh, but that's a good thing ultimately. I just feel very grateful to have met other people that have influences that are, that that's a, it's unusual that I can reference those things to Steve and he knows exactly and he can kick them to me and we know it's just not normal. I agree. To be able to go from listening to Maxwell to, uh, to death. <laughs> and like yeah, for both, real, yeah. You know? And the weird thing about that to me is it's like, okay, all the people that like death are never going to listen to Maxwell. <laughs> and all the people that listen to Maxwell are never going to hear this either. So we're either stuck with nobody hearing us ever yeah. or just getting little dribs and drabs from all kinds of different scenes and it'll yeah. sound fresh to all of them, which... I feel is why we tell people we're alternative because I think that's the best there's category no for real it. genre that I can say that's going to encapsulate because I've met a bunch of guys that typically listen to metal that love the band right you know what yeah. I mean they're way into it and then there's other people that are from other you know other worlds or other schools that are into it so it's it's interesting I think interestingly so we talk about um, genre and how it's kind of becoming not relevant anymore quite a lot on this podcast and right. we, we refer to ourselves as an alternative music yep. podcast and um uh i think you know like i'm not i'm not spotify's biggest fan in the world because of there's there's lots of good and bad with it but there I are think, lots of good and lots of bad yes yeah, yeah but i think one of the good things that it has done is like we talk about this a lot on this podcast but you know if i want to like i grew up listening to primarily rock and metal and yep. if i wanted to 
you know, check out a hip hop record. That was going to cost me 16 quid. Dude, you can go down rabbit holes to your heart's content. Exactly. You know? And you can do that for free now. And that doesn't cost you anything bar time. That's right. all it costs you. And Or 10 bucks or however much it charges. Yeah, you for not have month. commercials yeah. or whatever. Yeah, 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 exactly. And like, I think that is such a brilliant thing. And we kind of set up this podcast in the first place to kind of represent that. Yep. And like we're we're not perfect today. I mean, myself and Steve, we're fucking mid thirties, you know. And we we right. we there are still genres that we are not like yeah, yeah, we yeah. need to learn more about. But that's part of the reason for doing all this. So but no, I it think, enables people to grow and yeah. to easily you know find new things. And I feel like uh, it helps people to become more of an individual instead of just yeah. um, being like this is what I'm into. I'm only into this. And they end up in like this closed bubble where all their friends are into that and they only hear about that. And like with Spotify and, and mm -hmm. streaming and things, at least you can, you know, if I say, hey, man, I want to start learning about, you know, uh, bluegrass. Yeah. It's very easy to quickly yeah, you can go find the top find, bluegrass artists yeah. and then look at all the ones that are, you know, yeah. connected to them and uh, et cetera. Yeah, it's like Absolutely. having your own music store, really. And you can just check out stuff while, you know, while nobody else is there. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I remember as well, uh, again, with Fever Day Daydream, you were saying that, that a lot of the influences were outside of music. Yeah. Uh, video games, movies. movies. Yeah, yeah, video you games, know. movies, art. I go to, I almost, not so much on this. I haven't been sleeping well, but I'll, I'll get up <laughs> early and uh, go to museums and things. Yeah, I mean, tour. we're influenced as much by photography or a movie yeah. than we are by songs. Yeah. Are there specific ones Architecture, for games? things like that. Are there, in, uh, are there specific things outside of music that envelop Infinite Games as a whole, or are there just sort of too many to... I think it becomes too many. There's okay. so yeah, there's so many. I, I there's sometimes I'll, I'll look at a painting like when I was on tour and that influenced a part in a song, which is really hard to describe to people that aren't artists. You know what I right. mean? They, mm -hmm. they kind of go, "What? Well, well, it's you're looking at something. How can you look at something and make sound from that?" Mm -hmm. Right. I think eventually you you get to a point where approach and aesthetic is and and emotion is is driving you, not mm -hmm. just like a sonic thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like I don't think a painter necessarily is in just limited to being influenced by by paintings you know yeah. like he can it's it's someone else's approach and it's someone else's feel and you can detect that in another artist's work it doesn't matter what the medium is and uh i feel like the longer you stay on an artistic trajectory you start to to really be able to understand that it has nothing to do with what tool you decided to pick up you know and like what you know one of our good friends jesse draxler like uh that was you know why we work with him is because we don't feel like he's making visual art and we're making music it's just kind of like we have the same approach and he just at some point decided to do that and we decided to do this but i feel like if we learned you know more technical things about painting and he learned more about making music i feel like you know the approach and the um and and the sensitivity ends up being what what makes you who you are not just the medium that you're operating in. absolutely yeah yeah and you could take you could take those you could take the way that you work and apply it to film right or um art or fucking right making a statue or yeah, whatever. it's your eye yeah. Cook, it's your, yeah. cooking even cooking yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's your thing. eye you know and, that, and i don't mean your eye like visually i mean it's your eye, your artistic eye mm -hmm. and like i mean that's not saying that you know you some certain people don't have natural gifts as far as ability. Yeah, who, like whoever put that clock up should it should be down. <laughs> that, that clock is clearly it's, too high on the, the wall. There is yeah, a clock in the down. room which is too high and it's in a really weird place that's in the room too, and too it's high. very discombobulating. And it's, but yeah, that's it's, what you mean. Like you can tell 
if something, you know. Someone's got some fucking sense, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sense. That That's what it like comes down to. Comes down to you. This motherfucker doesn't have any damn sense. Yeah, hey, man, you need some damn sense, hey, man. <laughs> I'm getting a sense of Beetlejuice. Yeah. Uh, in, in it's really close. Cool, I'll <laughs> save that one for later. <laughs> <laughs> um, there were some there were some bits and pieces mentioned in the um, press release that I just wanted to sort of talk about in terms of um, some well some shit things basically. So the storage space stuff. Oh yeah. I mean, that happened before too. Was that? Yeah, this right. is the second okay. time. This is, Hopefully, great. we don't I, get I, a third. You I'm know. I'm just so drained by it. I had like eight guitars stolen on this okay. la- this this storage space thing, which is really annoying because those are all my childhood guitars and they're Fuck. all customized. So it's like who the like where are they going to be? Like yeah. if I saw it on a pawn shop, I'd be like, that's clearly you, you, my guitar. You'd, you'd know, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. It's like a '70s white Olympic white strat. You know what I mean? It's it's not that guy's guitar. Do you know what I mean? Did <laughs> so that it's just out of necessity affect the record because you needed different equipment or Yeah, or I used different stuff. Right, a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah I course. used a lot of different stuff. There was still a bunch of guitar pedals. I just got some new new things and you know Fender was helpful and So you didn't just replace with the stuff that you already had, you did no. you purposefully get? New I just stuff? was like, you know what? I've used that stuff for so long. Uh-huh. There's a couple of items that I always use that I needed to get back, but for the most part, it was kind of interesting to have a new palette. It's the only way work. you can deal with something like that is to yeah. approach it like that. Yeah, yeah I was yeah, you're yeah, not yeah, getting yeah. it back either way. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't gonna get it back, like, and I it, we didn't know for months. Like people were like, why don't you just go to the police? Or whatever. It's like we didn't know for months. It was could have been broken into. Four months before, so that. were you on tour when it happened or something? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we have no idea. Right, we just okay. went and, and were, it, was it was gone. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, when did this happen? And and so yeah, I don't know. Twice in a couple so, of years, that's bad luck. Eh, that's whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Okay. That shit happens, dude. It's yeah, price of doing business, I guess. Yeah. yeah. If anything, you just realize that, like, you know, we're so blessed in other ways, and you're just like, fuck it, man, roll on. Let's. If any, if you have the right mindset, like you said, you'll look at it as an opportunity, and you'll you you almost get more militantly um focused yeah yeah you you work differently i mean it's like i've seen dudes that have painted pictures with soy sauce packets in jail you know what i mean and then sell Mm. sell them for like a million dollars when they get out Mm. so it doesn't matter what you have man like if you like i said if you have the eye you will figure it out i think yeah i was gonna say that goes back to having the eye doesn't it It goes back to like how you use whatever tools you have available to you yeah um another thing that was mentioned um and I, i didn't know if it related to the record or not, but I just thought I'd ask. I know you were on tour with Soundgarden. Oh yeah, everyone brings this up. As well, if it it's because it's in the press release, mate. With, uh, <laughs> well, it doesn't have. Look, well, I'm asking. Look, a lot of uh, the last in, of 2017 for me was really heavy. You know, yeah. like a lot of uh, I had like severe anxiety and severe panic and severe depression and things that kept getting like I felt like I was walking through a field of landmines. You know, and. Uh, the, you know the band and you know Dillinger ending was enough of like just kind of like a a, a, a weird toxic en- environment to, to be in yeah. while we were on tour and uh, emotionally loaded in a, in a really weird way every night and it changes the shows feel different your relationships with the people that you're around feel different everything starts to feel different and then um, the the bus accident that we had course, was just yeah. like really rattled everybody and I came home from that in like a fucking state, man. Like I was really fucked up and really um, not in a good place as far as anxiety goes. And I was on uh, Xanax prescriptions and uh, having panic attacks constantly. And uh, I mean, you know, um, 
if you, I think you might have seen me at Download. Like, I was a fucking disaster backstage at Download. I had to take three Xanaxes to go on stage, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, after that, like, the Soundgarden tour was, like, kind of like a, like a little blip of, like, oh, this, f- okay, cool. Something good is happening. We're going to yep. go play some shows at Soundgarden. That's sick, fucking you know? Fucking great, yeah. And uh, the thing that really fucked me up about the Chris Cornell thing is that Chris Cornell was a guy who I looked to as like, okay, someone that deals with anxiety or, or addiction in the past, you know, things that I feel like, uh, you know, and if you know anything about addiction and drug use or, or anything like that, that's a coping mechanism for things like anxiety. And, uh, and I feel like, okay, so a guy like that looks like he came out on the other side of it. He looks incredible. He sounds incredible. He's got a fucking family. He's got his old band back. He's got a yeah. solo career. He just seems like he has everything and he's yeah. just fucking killing it. He's gone through the storm. He's out the other side. So him killing himself was such like a oh shit yeah. this isn't gonna end well this doesn't end well like for anybody like if he can't handle this there is and I was at that point at my most you know anxious panicky depressed and like I was like if he is not able to handle this in his state like what there's just no hope you know and it just fucking rattled me in a way that I feel like I've never experienced someone dying rattle me like that like someone I didn't know I woke up I remember I was uh I was at a bar. We had two show, two days off. We were splitting dates with Soundgarden. We were splitting them with Pretty Reckless. Mm-hmm. So I had two days off in a row. I flew home. I went out to this bar, um, and uh, I got a text from a friend that just said Chris Cornell question mark you know, and that's immediately like you just know that something's yeah. so shit. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So this next thing I know, I'm just like googling. It's like dead, 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 dead. And I just like got annihilated instantly. I just like fucking got so blitzed that the next day when I woke up, I wasn't really sure whether it even happened or not. Mm. And I looked and my phone was off and I never turned my phone off. I just put it on airplane mode. So I'm like, mm. shit, I must have like, you know, really not want to see this. So I turned my phone on and it was just like endless, endless, endless texts. Went downstairs, turned on um, MTV Classic or whatever, and they were just playing, you know, Bird in My Hand or something like that. So I was mm. just like, I just like started crying because I was just like, fuck man, like I can't. Like this is just too severe, like mm. too severe to, to realize that this is how this goes, you know. And uh, um, yeah, I mean, I was in a state the whole year. It had nothing it has nothing to do with uh, the record. It's not like there's like a song or a lyric on the record about okay. Cristiano dying or some shit like that, you know. But uh, but surely if that had affected you, I mean, I didn't realize I can recognize myself around that time. You know? Yeah, I was in. I had such bad panic disorder around that time that I was like weirded out being outside. Like weirded out being outside sometimes because I would think I was just gonna have a panic attack in public or things like that. Which I don't feel like that at all now. So okay, it's good. really interesting to me because when you're when you are in that state, that's all you can see. It's all you can feel mm. is anxiety. Mm. And uh, now that I'm kind of on the other side of it, I don't recognize that time in my life as as much. Um, but yeah, at the time, it felt really severe. You said that you're in a better place in terms of all those panic attacks and stuff like that now. Do you know what stopped that? Because I remember we were talking about this quite a bit as well. No, I mean, um, I don't don't know, man. Like, I've been to more therapy. I don't know. I'm more, I'm not, you know, the Dillinger Escape Plan breakup coming out of the other side of that really helped a lot because it's like a black hole that you're going into that you don't know what's on the other side of. Mm. You don't know how Mm. you're going to feel when you wake up the next morning. Yeah. It turns out that I felt great. So, uh, literally the day after, yeah, I woke up the next morning and felt great. I was like, okay, cool. Like, I, I mean, I don't know, like, just knowing that you're on the other side of it, yeah, because it's just this big thing that's like artificially inflated mm-hmm. like, the whole time, mm-hmm. and you just can't get get away from it. Everyone around you is talking about it. Every show you play, people are 
kind of like hitting you with a different energy than you're used to being hit with. They're not mm. just amped. They're kind of sad, you know? And it's yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. Like I've said before, like it was like being on your own funeral procession yeah. for like a year and a half. And it's just like not, you don't feel like you have positive momentum behind you. You feel like you have this weird farewell energy. It makes you feel old. It makes you feel like you're dying. It makes you feel like you're dying. Mm. And uh, then as soon as that was over and I woke up and I'm like, I'm the same person. I feel exactly the same. I feel really psyched about working on a record. I feel really psyched about all this other stuff. It was like, uh, okay, cool. I felt pretty good. Um, and that helped a lot. I mean, it wasn't just that, you know, working on a record helps a lot. You know, the way, the well, way I deal with things is... I think finishing it, that we were, you know mm. what I mean? Getting, getting it done and knowing it was good was a big relief for everybody, I yeah. think. And the, way I, the way I deal with things emotionally is through writing. So if mm. I write something and get a certain emotion out of me, then I've encapsulated that and sent it out into the world and it keeps me, it keeps it from bouncing around in me in like a, a, a thought loop or an emotion loop or, or something like that. Yeah. I remember seeing you just after the um, last Dillinger show and asking like, how does it feel? And like, yeah. you were like, I haven't got a fucking clue, man. Ask me again in like nine months or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's nine months later. I mean, do, do, do you have a better answer? <laughs> Not a better answer, sorry. No, but, you honestly, know. <laughs> look, I'm really proud of what we accomplished artistically. I'm really proud of what we accomplished interpersonally. Mm. Um, and I feel like it was an amazing ex experience to, to be a part of. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm so, I feel so grateful for it, for it and for finding those people. And, uh, you know, I also, you know, I feel equally grateful for finding the people in, in the band that, I, you know, in the black queen. And yeah, I, yeah. uh, you know, it was, it was an incubator for me in a lot of ways. It was an artistic incubator for me and a, and a vocal and just a creative incubator. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. Um, so I'm really proud of it and really happy with it, but I do feel like it's, it's finished creatively. Like I don't feel like the need to, you know, fuck with it. It's like, I feel like George Lucas adding CGI to Star Wars or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it yeah, feels yeah, like yeah. that was, it feels like we did what we, we did. And Needed it feels good. And I feel happy with it. And um, as far as like the time and missing it, it's like, we would be off tour probably now anyway. Like we took yeah. long breaks in between records. Like the last break we took, I did two records in between, you know? So yeah. I would be doing exactly what I'm doing right now anyway. I was going to um, say, I probably need to ask you in like two or three I, years. That was my, really. going to say, yeah, nine months yeah. actually, I should have said like two or three yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, we're all cool with each other. Like it's, you know, there's no bad blood. Like, you know, um, it's, it just felt like it was time to let each other go. Yeah, yeah. And become well, who we're going to be and do what we're going to do. I, I will hold you to that and I will ask you again in two years time. <laughs> yes, please, please. <laughs> um, guys, Greg, Steve, thank you so much for your time. You need to run a sound check now. So, hey, um, thank you, man. It's always you. a pleasure thank to you. talk to you. Always, always. You're thank one you of the guys. best, brother. Ah, thank you, man. All right, there you go. Renfrey chatting away to uh to the guys in the black queen yeah i didn't think you'd be hearing about boner jams did you steve no <laughs> but no, you did know what that is no. <laughs> it's been another week of heavily educational things that have been going on. so anyway that's it we're gonna go we've taken up far too much of your time this week i apologize it's been a long old show but hey worth it what we've there's a lot to talk about it's yeah. gonna be i think it's gonna start being like this so there you go next week um we're gonna be reviewing new albums from bloodbath and daughters Ooh. heavy shit heavy shit <laughs> fucking heavy shit yeah um and have you ever had a bloodbath uh no neither of you so don't pretend like you have <laughs> he's, going, he's going on the contrary au contraire <laughs> au contraire <laughs> um, so uh, yes we will be doing uh, Bloodbath and Daughters and I believe Jamie Lemon's going to be back in town 
Yeah, he is. He's going to be back. Twat yeah. gel is he's yeah, happening. Yeah, he. Uh, uh, I had a little email exchange with him earlier today, and he is thrilled that you've been calling it twat gel. <laughs> is he really? Nope. Oh, <laughs> no. Okay, right. Well, that stops now then. I don't want to upset him. Um, so, sorry, Jamie, about that. We love you, Jamie. The Thank you. The world according to Jamie Lemon. Lemon yeah. We'll be back next week. Uh, so will we. I'll also be reviewing you too. Yes. Yeah, I will. Yeah, you fifth and will. And you're you? going to like it. Hashtag get Bono on. <laughs> get Bono on. I want Bono on the fucking show. And that's going to happen one day. And you can tweet me as much as you fucking like. <laughs> it's still going to happen. All right? It's still going to happen. This is my show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I knew. Yeah. Yeah, but you're down with it as well. I'm, you? I'm down with you, you getting them on. Yeah. Even yeah. the guys at Musicism. Dot net where you can go and get 25% oh, off your courses. So slick. Thank you. Uh, when you put the code Riot in I mean, capital letters into the checkout. It um, is a lie. They're not down with it, but carry on. No, they're not, are they? No, no. Well, well, sorry, guys. Sorry, Dan. Uh, again, sorry, ben. Um, Stalin-esque can just call me the Billy Corgan of, <laughs> of musicism. <laughs> we do behind your back. <laughs> That's just the haircut. Uh, anyway, cheers, Renfrey. See you next week, mate. Cheers, Steve. Bye.